Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. We pretty much all knew that by the end of the Ahsoka series that we'd be pledging allegiance to Dave Filoni once again, but man, oh man, after episode six, there's a damn good chance the man could run for emperor of the known galaxy and find nary a challenger from Star Wars fandom. Oh, who the hell are we kidding? There's still a bunch of grizzled, jaded piss ants out there waiting to crap all over this thing but for our money episode six of ahsoka cemented something we've been saying for quite a while enjoy this star wars fans because as good old bob ryan once warned boston sports fans you're living in the good old days right now i am your uncle todd and with me as always is the man who once tried to adopt a pergil before having his wife explain to him that their hoa would probably not allow it he has been my partner in edc for over two decades and rules his subdivision with an iron fist i give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, doing all right. Doing all right. All right. And here we are. Man, we just, we got through, like, just verbally, like, just puffing and just, like, just just gushing over episodes four and five of Ahsoka. And here we are, mm-hmm. we're talking about episode six, like, oh, my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. Because. Finally. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn has come back to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that it just, uh, the whole, uh, oh, it's just, uh, frightening reality for those kiss. who may oppose him. Chef's <laughs> kiss. Uh, but we are going to get into that uh, later, though. But uh, but we, uh, how are you doing, sir? How How is all with the man they call Tim? Hey, you know, I am post-ablation and uh, still kicking, still have the energy. Uh, maybe we'll fall over in, into a nap here at some point. Who knows? <laughs> But uh, overall, feeling good, feeling good. You know, the, the, the procedure was smooth. The recovery has been good. Uh, got my follow-up on Thursday with the doctor to see if I get a green light, thumbs up, okay to go. But otherwise, heart is in fine working order. No more uh, episodes uh, with, with the racing heart. And so uh, I am looking forward to a, a new era in, in my health. So. Well, I am very glad to hear it. Uh, congratulations, sir. It is very Thank good you. to hear. Thank you. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling quite glorious, my friend. Glorious, I, I oh, shall say. Oh, hey, we, you know, if, if for you. Thank you. For oh. you. Thank you, sir. Here it is. I toast you with a seltzer. Glorious. There it is. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. I shall not, and neither and shall I the brain apple. 
Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. We were talking in our pre uh, our, our our pre production meeting here about uh, your experience coming out of anesthesia, yes. which I think is very interesting because I I think it's it's interesting because you you mentioned something that was familiar to me. The one time I've been you know knocked out for procedures, uh, mm-hmm. I've there's been many times where there's uh, time that I can't quite account for. Uh, well, but, those are self induced, but I was my own anesthesiologist on those um but uh but i love how they they do that like okay we're gonna need you to count backwards from a hundred it's like oh yeah you can the the time that they knock me out it's like you could i need you to count backwards from two and mm-hmm. it would have been like yeah <laughs> i wouldn't even finish two like it was i was done. given two deep breaths is what i was given I, a mask was put over my face i was breathing in the procedure room and the anesthesiologist says okay i need you to take a deep breath and so i do and i exhale it out and then he's like i need you to take a second one and i do that and I exhale out and literally the next thing i remember i'm waking up in the recovery room i'm like <laughs> what the heck happened i have a throbbing headache my upper back is killing me uh i got all this phlegm in my throat because they intubated me as part of this and you know i had a tube breathing for me for some period of time it was like good Tim's leaving out is the fact that Willie Nelson was his uh, anesthesiologist (laughs) (laughs) he got me the good stuff (laughs) is that weapons grade what what the hell was that (laughs) oh my goodness yeah it it was all those girls I've loved before why what am I uh, (laughs) there we go there we go oh my gosh yeah none the worse for wear the ticker in good shape yep uh just just a little bit of bruising around the groinular area uh i believe was the (laughs) we don't need to go into those detail good lord i mean you know i mean we got to share this with the people good god yeah it was uh it it was interesting it was interesting to say the least but interesting they froze one part of your heart and they fricasseed another yeah that's interesting you know in some ways it's a bit of a microcosm of Star Wars. I have, you know, on the one side of my heart, Hoth, and the other side, uh, Mustafar. So. <laughs> Very well played. Very well played. I like that. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, man. You got the Anyways. double whammy, the atrial fibrillation, a flutter, uh, you know, elimination. So there you go. Exactly. So glorious. I feel glorious. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just uh, getting back to normal. Yeah. There it is. All right. Well, before we dive into the main subject at hand, which, of course, is Ahsoka Episode 6, uh, we're going to dive into some other uh, minor, or well, not minor, but, uh, you know, smaller tidbit, uh, if you will, bits of geekery. Mm-hmm. And a little thing we call the Week in Geek, cobbled together by the man they call Tim, him of the Iron Heart. The Week in So funky. So what do we got going on in this episode, sir? All right. Well, uh, as we are uh, want to do during this fall season of uh, football madness, a little uh, snapshot into uh, Tales from the Fantasy Gridiron, week three. All right. Here's here's the thing. Here's my gift to you. Yes, sir. In celebration of your of your ablation of your your fricassement of your heart. <laughs> My freeze fricassement. I'm gonna. I am going to allow you your moment here of glory, okay. um, and and just. I'm going to reserve as as little comment as possible. What the hell was that on my leg? 
Are, are the spiders invading you? I don't know. They might be coming after you <laughs> under the bench. That's the thing. Like they've been nice enough to come at me from where I can see. I think they're getting organized. Yeah, they're learning. Maybe there's a Grand Admiral who's leading them. Gosh. <laughs> pissed off. I took out Charlotte, and now it's all over. All right. Anyways, Ron the spider, the, the, the fake football team. How's it going? How's it going? Am I am I am I correct? And it's going to be a, a 500 season. Like, where are we at? What happened? Uh, OK, so we're in week three. Uh, I am one in one right now and uh, soon to be one in two. Uh, basically, oh. uh, last uh, well, yesterday um, had I, actually I, I had a pretty good day uh, for the most part. Uh, the game that kind of hosed me over was uh, not my team, but uh, on the opposing team, uh, I had uh, they or they had a wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins. And if you followed the score of the Miami Dolphins Denver game, Miami, well, they done run up the score to the tune of seventy to twenty. So. <laughs> So, uh, I believe we call that a good old fashioned prison pounding, is what we call that. Tyree Kill, uh, nine receptions, 157 yards, one receiving touchdown. He posted 30 fantasy points. Uh, on the other side was Debo, who, who had a very uh, respectable game. Uh, had uh, one rushing attempt, two rush yards, six receptions, 129 receiving yards, and one TD, uh, but uh, was only posting 25. Uh, on top of that, uh, just my um, – unfortunately, my, my running backs did not uh, – Pull as many points as I was hoping. Um, the New England defense was was very good. Put posted 14 points as they defeated the Jets. Um, I will give uh, the update that everyone is waiting to hear about. But uh, my kicker, uh, known as Cameron Dicker, uh, basically put up uh, a whopping four points. <laughs> so having a banner year in in, in, in this season. Dicker the um, kicker just Dick- going all in. Digger the kicker, four points. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I had kind of a underperforming week for several of my players. So I, I will most likely go down in flames to the tune of uh, right now it's 223 to 163. I don't think I'm coming out of that any higher. So uh, so just say that's kind of a, a limp week for, for Cameron Dicker? Uh, <laughs> he rode the bench, so. <laughs> uh, but, yes, I, I would say so. I would say so. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, I am now going to be sub-500, which means next week I need to win to bring myself back up to 500. But I feel the promise of my team is there. I just need to uh, make a couple of adjustments. So. All right. Well, as I as I stated last week, I'm calling it 500 season for quick, All right. sen- quick slants. All right. All right. I'm going to have two losses, but the rest it's going to be smooth sailing from here. I tell you right now. Uh, it will. One, another loss, another win, another loss, another yeah, win. I just knock it off. One thing I will do, I left 58 fantasy points on the bench. Oh, that uh, always hurts. This this one did hurt. And again, this came from Miami. Raheem Mostert, who is uh, a young upstart running back for them, uh, 13 rushing attempts, 82 yards, three rushing touchdowns. So I left Don't you a lot hate of, it when that happens, man? Left a lot of points on the bench. He also had a receiving touchdown as well. 58 total fantasy points. If I had, if I had played him, probably would have made a game of it, but I might have still have lost because of the just insurmountable points I 
I couldn't overcome with my running backs, just not, 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 uh, posting and I'm guessing that he to... hadn't been exactly lighting the world on fire and he probably won't for the rest of the season. That's just one of those deals. Like he, you'll start him for like two or three he's more been times. Consistent. He has really? been, I, I'm actually considering, uh, real quick, hmm. uh, 22 fantasy points week one. So to your point, but here we go. Week two, 43 fantasy points, week three, 58 fantasy points. So he is starting to build some momentum. That's your starting own damn fault momentum. right there. I'm sorry that, that you you did that one to yourself. Hey, I played Derrick Henry, and I played, um, let's see, Rahman. Yeah, right, right now, even, I'm, not even following, I'm not even following the NFL, and right now I know enough that you play anybody who's playing against Denver. Because Denver, and, well, Denver and Chicago apparently are like the, yeah. the twin dumpster fires yeah, of the fair. NFL right now. <laughs> I did have a coworker today because behind me, uh, Uncle Todd can see this. I have my, I have a couple uh, baseball hats behind me. One of them is a Patriots hat. One of them is a Red Sox hat. And I had a coworker tease me because he's from Chicago, is is down in Dallas, and he's like, "What, what's, what, what's up with these Patriots hats behind you and stuff? Like, like, like where's the Chicago Bears love?" Um, and and, uh, and and oh, what did he say? He said something about. Um, I'm sorry. Since when have the Bears been worth rooting for? Since 1986. Well, exactly. that's my point. But but I I made some funny comment because I forgot what he said. It was something like. Um, I'm sorry, my Mike Tomzak game worn jersey is is getting delayed on its way here. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like something related to injury or something like that. And I just made the the offhand joke. I said, "Well, the six rings does weigh the hand down a bit." So. After that, he Ooh. said, touche. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, man, they call Tim, uh, you know, in fifth place right now, uh, having a little bit of struggles. But out of how many will, teams? We will persevere. Fifth place out of eight. Fifth place out of eight. Right in the middle of the pack. Right in the middle of the pack. Yeah, but keep in mind that's actually fifth out of seven because there isn't there the the flying Dutchman team you got in there. No, no, the, these are eight legit teams, oh, okay. including myself. Eight wow. legit teams. Uh, again, if I was to do a flying Dutchman like team, it'd be called Uncle Todd's uh, <laughs> squad or something like that. So, um, Uncle Todd don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Todd, come back. Um, but nonetheless, uh, that is where we are with uh, the Fantasy Gridiron. Uh, moving on from there. Uh, yeah. So getting into our uh, little bit of uh, news items from the interwebs. Uh, this one comes courtesy of InsideTheMagic.net. Uh, Marvel reportedly cast Jonathan Major's replacement before the industry strikes. And people may say, oh, my gosh, who is replacing Jonathan Major's? Well, as you may know, the man who play <laughs> the man known as Kang uh, is 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 in a wee bit of trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and that's putting it lightly. <laughs> so him and Ezra Miller are just not 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 doing themselves any favors. No, no. But uh, apparently, uh, you know, Marvel has been toying with its Fantastic Four casting for months. And as uh, folks are, are familiar with the Fantastic Four uh, story, uh, Dr. Doom is the big baddie coming out of that uh, story. And so apparently before the, uh, the strikes uh, happened, uh, there was discussion and potentially an offer made by Marvel to none other than, drumroll please, Josh Hartnett to play the role of Dr. Doom. Well, if you know Josh Hartnett, and I'm looking at a picture of him in this article, 
doesn't quite strike me as the Doctor Doom sort of guy. I, I would look at like a Dave Batista or, you know, well, no, someone I mean, with a little more menace to them. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, part of it is part of its voice. And part well, of it is like like Doctor Victor Von Doom is is kind of a dashing sort of guy mm-hmm. who then you know things go sideways and you know he he's a metalhead after that. He um, is. But yeah, I mean, hey, we'll see. And and where the article goes with this is that there is you know some wiggle room for Marvel to play where you know they they have set up Kang to be the big bad of this multiversal arc. However, in the comics, you know, Dr. Doom does have a role when it comes to the multiverse. And so they could, in theory, kind of treat him like Thanos, where, you know, maybe Kang is more like Ronan the Accuser. And then you actually have Dr. Doom, who is like the Thanos, who's really the big bad as Mm. a way to kind of bring him in and kind of shuffle Jonathan Major's, uh, you know, exit states right. But uh, I don't know. That's a tough one, though, man, because, I mean, you have like, I mean, Dr. Doom is badass don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but you've got you've set kang up as like oh he's all over the place and he's this and that and powerful but i mean granted you had ant-man kick his ass so i mean eh, you've already taken the piss out of him a little bit well that's where i was gonna go he's already been jobbed out a la brock mm-hmm. lesnar and john cena you know what i mean like cena kicked lesnar's rear end when he came back with all the fury and anger and it's like well what the heck am i supposed to get interested about this guy for true. they had to build him back up again true very true but i don't uh, know maybe i mean hey we'll see Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. So we will see if uh, we get a full run with uh, Kang, you know, coming up shortly. We already did the real and jabroni around this. We're going to have Loki season two. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where that takes us. That may give us some hints as to where this multiversal arc is going to go. And uh, I don't know. Will we see Dr. Doom? Will we not? What are your thoughts on on Josh Hartnett as as kind of the uh, I know you said it's voice, but I mean. Uh, I mean, partially. I, I mean, it could work. Do you I think mean, Doom would be more like a Thanos, where it's mostly CGI rendered and it's really just Hartnett doing the voice kind of thing? I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of like an Iron Man sort of thing. Like mm. he'll obviously be there doing motion capture and all that, because it's not like the same thing as like a as a Thanos thing, where you know it, it's obviously a different size and all that. Like Doom yeah. is it is is a dude sized like a regular human sized thing. So mm. I imagine it'll be more like Iron Man, where they'll add the mask and things like that afterwards and, and, and go from there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, quite honestly, has, has anybody really, you know, when they've been cast, you're like, Oh my gosh, it kind of goes back to a little bit. Like they kind of need to get, get back to what they were doing earlier in the MCU where they were just casting people that they, they thought were going to work and let them get the character. Mm-hmm. you know and become the character and that and it and you know in a way it kind of ties in with what um you know a little bit of the the quentin tarantino you know saying you know the the actors in the movies in mcu movies aren't the stars and chris evans replying like no you're correct it's the the characters are the stars mm-hmm. and in a way that's true like you just need to find out who can portray that character the best almost to more of a degree than in most scripts yeah yeah because so many of these characters have such a rich backstory and are so visible and in your face, you know, that it takes a little while before, you know, some of that can be overcome or matched. So I don't know. I mean, Hey, give it a try. What, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? It'll suck. Okay. Ain't my money. So yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's, well, it shall that's be Bob Iger's money. It shall be interesting to see what they do, but, uh, 
quite honestly, right now. I mean, I know the writer strike may have been, you know, kind of uh, come to a close, but the actors are still striking. So True. We're, we're still not through the woods yet. But mm-hmm. uh, none of this really, you know, can can really take effect until all of that is resolved. So, yeah. And then it's, it's going to take a while to get the machine up and rolling. Like there will, will be, you know, much like with COVID, there's going to be some thin times in the theater coming up in the next year or so. Uh, you know, listeners, or, fear yeah. not. Uncle Todd and I have laid out several rewatches of <laughs> WrestleManias, of uh, BSG episodes, of I think Uncle Todd's pushing a Wanda the Wicked Warden marathon or no, something. What we're honestly. actually going to do is we're going to we're going to we're going to do a rewatch of all of Battlestar Galactica, but we're going to do it via watching Battlestar Galacticast. Ah, there so we go. We're going to be watching the people who are watching the episode. We're gonna go. We're gonna go like three layers of Inception deep. Ah, uh, never been done. Never been done. Never been done. And we're gonna see if we can get like you know Mark Bernard to come in and guess. So it'll just be. It'll just crack the universe open. Just hey, completely. And as you've you know tried to in the past, you know, get Katie Sackoff on the show. Maybe Trisha. Oh Alfer. yeah, it could happen. <laughs> oh it yeah, they're happen. both. Yeah, they're both just waiting with bated breath well, for for that. Yeah. Uncle Todd, send the invite. <laughs> if All nothing right. else, we maybe we get crashed down. Maybe I can pull that one off. There you go. No, no, actually, it won't even be that. We'll get some sinus. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with the sinus. Like he's nothing wrong with the sinus. Hey, he's had a lot more screen time on a good TV show than I have. <laughs> what about friend of our show, Chief? I mean, he he did give you I the birth- have... he did give you the birthday uh, greeting from last year. I you mean, know what? I would friends. step aside my spot on the show and let Chief be be the co-host. <laughs> I'll just sit here and giggle <laughs> off to the side. I'll I'll become like you know, the, oh. the, like uh, the Robin Quivers of this show in a right. fracking heartbeat, man. No problem. All right. All right well, moving on uh, to our next uh, story coming out of uh, giantfreakingrobot.com, purveyor of all that is good and true in the world. Yes. Uh, we have an exclusive from them uh, oh. from four days ago. Hang on. Where's our, where's our exclusive music? Hang oh. on. This is exclusive breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're going to make me operate with a funk yeah. plane? <laughs> oh, ex- good Lord. Exclusive. Get those Anyways. Congo drums going. <laughs> I had to cut uh, before then because you know we'd be listening to another minute and a half of it. Of course we would. Uh, Westworld, uh, which Ooh. went off uh, the air as a show last year, um, concluded. And escaped a- HBO, so now I can't even watch the last season. I know. I started to watch the Shirts. last season. and it Where was is ri- it? Is it just gone? It's gone. It is. <clears throat> it's just been taken off fully. Uh, which- Freaking which I, I, I'm so irritated by. And, um, you know, I, I had read a bit about, uh, you know, where that fourth season was going to go. And, you know, I started watching it to see how it plays out. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get very far. But nonetheless, um, that uh, it sounds like uh, the powers that be are looking at bringing Westworld uh, into the big screen realm. Hmm. Um, and so one of the... One of the points touched on in this um, uh, in, in this article is really around, you know, would it be picking up from, um, you know, the the TV series uh, where it ended or would it be just kind of starting out on its own altogether? Um, I would tend to agree with them that as good as the HBO series was, 
um, there's just way too much content that you're going to expect people to be up to speed on to be able to go or yeah. want to go see a movie about Westworld where it's like picking up like right in the middle, mm-hmm. which stinks because the cast was phenomenal. They, oh, they, yeah. they were telling some very interesting stories. Again, can't speak to season four, but very much moving in a direction where the machines were slowly kind of overtaking humanity and, and, you know, just, just kind of giving a bit of a dissertation on technology and humanity as a whole. But, um, but yeah, it, it sounds like they are looking at, um, you know, probably going back to what was season one of Westworld and kind of starting from there with, you know, the park and with, with the setting of it and how it was being used as, you know, by, by the wealthy as, as kind of a playground where, or, or as this article puts it, which I think is actually a really good way to put it. If the video game like Red, Red Dead Redemption became a theme park, <laughs> so... If you ever seen Red Dead Redemption, it's it's kind of along the lines of what we saw in that season one. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I what are your thoughts about Westworld becoming a movie? I mean, it already was. Uh, it was sure, sure, it was. You know, yeah, but, uh, but I don't but, but know. Given the the state of entertainment today, and you know, we have AI and generative AI becoming a thing now, and. <laughs> And, and, you know, we have a lot of different stories that kind of, you know, give a, a editorial on, on the impact of technology with humanity. What, what do you think? Here's the thing, because I mean, it's tough for me to say this because, uh, I'm, I'm so on board with the idea of, um, the 2004 Battlestar Galactica being one of, I think the finest things to have ever graced television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think season one of Westworld is kind of right in that discussion in terms of like some of the best, most compelling, innovative television, because I mean, it was at the time that I've ever really seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those are remakes or reimaginings or reboots or however you want to put it. However, I feel like... <sighs> In order to really pull that off, it has to be something that has been laying dormant for a while. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that also really, it it just didn't quite achieve its full potential. And I really think that you get get that with both of those things. Because you look at, Westworld was what, from the 70s or something? Uh, yes. Yeah. So you're dealing yeah, the with the Brenner one is from the seventies. Yeah. Much different special effects. Uh, you know, the world is a very different place in 1970s as opposed to now. So yeah, there's a, there's a huge idea and update <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. The idea of it taking place in a post nine 11 world, you know, so close to that time, like when mm. that is still very fresh and using that as a back ra- backdrop for some of that and also incorporating in, you know, this and some very new ideas. And uh, yeah, that works for me going and saying, yeah, we're going to take season one. We're going to do new actors. And it's going to be like, hey, it just fracking happens, you know, I mean, a while ago. Yeah, because it took forever to get those seasons. But how are you going to really improve on it? What's mm-hmm. what are you going to change and how are you going to do anything in let's even say a three hour movie or let's say they really get ambitious and they're like, hey, it's going to be Dune and we're going to make it, you know, two and a half two and it's going to be a five hour, five and a half hour spectacular, mm-hmm. you know, two part event. 
what are you going to give me in those five hours that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't getting in like the, what, 10 hours of season one or however long season one was, because those were essentially, it felt like almost a movie each episode. Yeah. What are you going to give me? And and mm. what is that different? Like, I get it. Oh, well, AI. Like, oh, okay, but we're already talking about that. Like, it's not the quantum leap forward. I know we all frack and think it is, but it's really not. Not yet, at least. Like, Skynet isn't here yet. Um, I mean, close, but hey, well, it'd be a nice ride. Um, it, it's just too soon for me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't need it, don't want it. I'll, you know, as soon as I could find Westworld somewhere streaming or maybe i'll i might actually go and see if i can find the dvds or blu-rays somewhere so i can at least have season one and two you know mm-hmm. i'm fine with that i don't it's much like the the bsg freaking you know redux that they keep trying to you know dangle out in front of us like i don't need this i have all four seasons of the of the what i consider the 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 definitive Battlestar Galactica on dvd mm-hmm. i don't need this new one i'm quite content so that's yeah. kind of how i feel about a westworld movie what about you how do you feel about it i i don't know i mean i i, I agree with you in that i think it needs you know like i think more time needs to go by before we revisit it you know what i mean i think i think the show did a nice job of taking the concept and you know, trying to extend it into a different story than what the original film was about and, and really trying to, you know, kind of bring some of the themes, you know, from movies like the matrix in, you know, where, you know, what, like what is reality and what is real and, um, and, and, you know, having the technology that humans create become almost as lifelike, if not very much lifelike as, as humans are and, and, and the moral quandaries that go with that. And I, I thought they explored a lot of really interesting, um, you know, themes on that front. And I almost feel like to your point, right. I mean, when BSG wrapped up, you know, a year or two later, would you be really gunning or jonesing for a BSG movie that was completely independent, you know, from the series? And, and, and I know it's a different comparison because BSG I think was a bit more at a bit better following and was a bit more, you know, connected with from their fan base than Westworld. I mean, Westworld kind of went away for almost like two years before they finally came back with like season three um, or season four. And so I think that did a disservice to the show because so many people had moved on at that point. It's like they had forgotten what had happened in the prior season, you know, and well, yeah, that that is a one big disadvantage of streaming right now is that that like sort of like Loki season two. It's just taking two years and it's like, what the heck happened? Yeah. Yeah. It takes so long. And that is the, and and unfortunately now you're seeing you know Amazon Prime is going to start adding commercials in and if you want don't want commercials you got to pay another three dollars a month or and you know Disney uh, Disney Plus is going to have commercials and you know mm-hmm. everyone's adding so it's like okay now it's getting to be more like streaming is more like cable except you're not getting some of the advantages of cable where it was like BSG was I mean aside from I think there was a writer's strike in one of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the reason why you had some a big break, but otherwise, like you had four seasons that took place over about four ish years. I mean, four to five years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got four full seasons. What was it like twenty some odd episodes per season? Mm-hmm. And and you also got a feature length. You got Razor and you got the Plan. Mm-hmm. 
all I mean, all within like five, yeah, let's call it five, maybe six years. Yep. By the time you go from miniseries to the plan. And Westworld was what? Like three seasons over the same six years. And those seasons were what? Like eight, ten episodes? Yeah. Granted, you know, some of them are fantastic, but yeah, it's a, it's a severe disadvantage that we're dealing with in streaming right now. And and you, that's such a great point. Sorry, I didn't mean to like hijack that. But no, no. That's no. And, and so for, for me, it's like, you know... <laughs> I don't know, like, like if 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 they want to bring it to the big screen, what is what is going to be the pull? What is going to be the story? Um, and and I think the way they framed season one of that show was a very, uh, you know, it it was a nod to the to the movie from the seventies, but it it brought it forward into the into the present, and it really grappled with some some moral quandaries with that sort of situation. And I don't know that I'm at a place as a, you know, paying consumer to want to go see some, you know, kind of re-adjudication of, of some of those themes, you know, from, from a different storyteller. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. to me, what I really like is to be able to finish season four and get to see the whole series kind of get wrapped up in what they were trying to get to eventually. Um, but, uh, but that, that's just me. And, and, and that's me being probably a little sentimental toward, toward the series because I thought it was, you know, a, I invested in an inordinate amount of time to watching it. Cause those were long episodes. Like it wasn't like you were watching a 30 minute episode. Those were hour, hour and 15 minute long episodes that you were taking in of, of Westworld. And, uh, so, so even though there was only like, you know, 10 or less, there was a lot of content you were taking in and, and really wanted to kind of, you know, see where, you know, some of those, those threads were, would, would eventually kind of get, uh, you know, get tied up. So, um, so I'm, I, I gotta say I'm, I'm, uh, you know, bearish on this. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not really, uh, jonesing for it, not really excited for it. Maybe need a little more time away from the series and, and someone with, with a, you know, just, just for someone, some writer to come along with, with a concept that is intriguing and compelling to go see, you know, on, on this topic, you know, like something different, but, you know, again, with some with some space from from the original series or, or from this this recent television series. Yeah. And just a, just a, out of you know sheer curiosity, I looked it up and yeah, all those episodes are right around an hour, uh, except for uh, episode 10, which is 90 minutes. So you have 10 mm-hmm. episodes, 10 and a half hours for roughly, season one for season one. Yeah. And if you're going to say, oh, we're going to make a movie out of season one, that movie is, I'm sorry, it's going to suck, comparatively speaking, unless you have one of the great, like, whoever does that has, like, the the Tim Thomas, you know, season uh, of, of screenwriting, like, this otherworldly burst of genius that just happens and manages to deposit this deposit this incredible gem of storytelling in our laps it's going to suck compared to that because think of what of, of the world that was built the characters that were built the layers that were added onto those characters just in season one mm-hmm. and you're gonna do that in a movie yeah with with anybody who's seen it comparing it to season one Yep. And and that's kind of your audience. Again, yeah. like I, I don't understand how this is going to work. I re- I've got no idea how this seems like a good idea. Yeah. I'm hoping that it winds up uh being 
uh, you know, something along the lines of like the BSG reboot that just is a money laundering scheme. Yeah. Or, or you, you basically, I think you said this earlier, you, you take the Dune approach and, and you really become thoughtful about what you're writing and do the world building and, you know, know that you're going to have a cutoff point. Yeah. But even that, like almost it, treated as two movies where, where, where maybe you build up to, to a cliffhanger of some kind or some middle point where you end the first one and do the second one. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. have, have a plan because to your point, you're trying to jam way too much world building and storytelling yeah. in, into too small of a time period the only way it works is if you go in a completely different direction and again mm. now you're pissing off one set of fans who are thinking that they might get something like what they had you're confusing a whole bunch of other fans because let's let's be honest this is kind of a high concept idea unless you dumb it way down in which case you yeah. piss off most people I, I just i don't see how this works it's too soon it's it's good god just go out and write something new yeah. Or, 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 or just if you have the story, don't call it Westworld. Just do it differently. You know, call it Northworld. Yeah, sure. Why not? Or Northwest um, World. Northwest. It all takes place in Oregon. Um, yeah. It's but, rainy but, and the sun never comes out. <laughs> but actually, you can stream Westworld. Um, oh. I, I believe it's on Amazon Prime, but you got to buy it. It ain't free. However. Um, I did do a little sleuthing. There are Blu-rays out there, so I might I might actually go and uh, purchase nope. season one on Blu-ray. Uncle just Todd's to gonna have start bootlegging. Not you just watch bootlegging. It. I'm, I'd be buying the DVD. Like I mean, seriously, that's not bootlegging. Well, I don't know. It just sounded funny to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. When is truth matter in a podcast? You know what I mean? Uh, very true. You got you got me there. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, uh, our last uh, little bit of interweb knowledge comes from our friends at ScreenRant.com, purveyors of all geeky and uh, true. Um, this was just a little little ditty I found uh, just in, in my, my Google News thread where I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, it's an article that looks at the last line of the BSG finale uh, and tries to, you know, kind of... Uh, put forth uh, a reason behind uh, you know if 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 you remember how it ends it is um, the head versions of Baltar and six walking through what is what looks to be like let's just say you know Times Square in New York City you know very I'm pretty sure it is it is New York it's it, okay it is all right yeah um, and and basically uh, you know the lines they exchange are to the effect of um, let's see uh, Six makes a reference to God's plan. Gaius, you know, retorts, you don't know, or you know it doesn't like that name. Six gives him a stern look, and then Gaius ends uh, the entire series with the line, silly me, silly, silly me. And then they walk off into the crowd of people uh, as the series comes to a close. And so the article is asking the question, well, what is really meant by that? And, And to be honest, it's a question I asked myself the very first time and subsequent times I've watched the finale, like, what does that mean? Because they never really get into, you know, what they are and, and what is this God? And, and, and then of course there's the entire, you know, dichotomy of, you know, the, the original, uh, you know, uh, 12 colonies being polytheistic Mm -hmm. and then the Cylons ironically being monotheistic. And so Mm -hmm. how are we bringing that together? Um, But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, well, I'll I'll stop there. Uh, Your, your, 
your thoughts, Uncle Todd? Uh, like, did you ever have an interpretation of this or uh, what, what was your thoughts? You know, honestly, I didn't get for someone who can overthink stuff. I really didn't overthink this one. Yeah, I, I just kind of let it be what it was, because I, at some point along the line with BSG, I just kind of came to accept that there is a there are going to be strings that they don't tie up. Yeah, there just is, mm-hmm. you know, like they can't tie all this up and they seem to delight in, in leaving some of those strings hanging just to see if they wanted to tug on them later uh, throughout the seasons. And and I'm, I give them credit for tying up as many as they did. Mm. And managing to work in some stuff, you know, even even when you listen to the uh, to the the podcasts or the commentaries where you realize that, you know, Ronald Moore and, and David Icke were in some ways like kind of going back and rediscovering stuff and then pulling it all together. Like the idea of the, you know, the opera house kind of coming back and and, and not necessarily 100 percent what they had anticipated and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. I give him credit for for taking it for for being bold and throwing out some ideas and going well. Not sure what that's going to be like. Okay, next, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then managing to go back and kind of harvest some of those. So as it was going along, I was sort of like, all right, the, the, nothing, everything is not going to be resolved. Yeah, and I was okay with that, which okay. is probably part of the reason why I was I'm I'm among those people who was like this is one of the greatest things that's ever been on TV. Um, it's just, it was so well done. And because I just accepted that, um, I never really got too much into it, but I mean, there is this idea, I think that runs kind of throughout the show of this tension of, you know, God's plan Mm -hmm. or the God's plural plan and and the the humans trying to interpret and and trying to go through that and and in some cases even trying to like feel like they're cur- they're kind of trying to kind of like you know you know like tilt the machine a little bit to you know hey well you know god ain't quite working fast enough you know you know sort of thing mm-hmm. very reflective of how a lot of people on planet earth view religion of you know and just that folly of you know of trying to understand, you know, that idea of, you know, man makes plans and God laughs. Like mm-hmm. you, you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plan is, you know, that sort of thing. So in a way I kind of, I was okay with it being just sort of a, that being the commentary of, of that, of tying that together. I was kind of okay with that because I'm like, yeah, that, you know, cause when you get right down to it, I, <laughs> The way I kind of look at a lot of that stuff is like, uh, yeah, okay, you, you, if I'm supposed to understand God, that's way above my pay grade. Mm. Otherwise, uh, that ain't much of a God. Because um, <laughs> yeah. if I, a mere mortal can figure that out, well, how big is that God, really? You know what I mean? So I was kind of okay with that. But you know, now that you mention it, this is going to keep me awake for the next four nights. So thanks. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that, Tim. Um you know, I'm not having trouble so, sleeping or anything these days. Uh, well, see, maybe, maybe it'll help you, uh, you know, as, as, as you ruminate on this. Uh, maybe no, you, I'm going to be up at like 3 a.m. sipping you, bourbon going, now what did, now what did Paul Tar really mean? <laughs> maybe it'll lull you into sleep. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, one of... Uh, and maybe your fantasy football team is, is going to win out the rest of the season. It is going to win out the it rest of the season. Mark it ain't. my... Spoiler. Words. It isn't. All right. Uh, 
another possible interpretation this article yes, raises, please. which is the which is kind of as I've thought about it, the way I have looked at at this ending mm-hmm. comes down to rather than being two angelic beings who are you know kind of bantering that maybe they are collectively the god and it is two sides of that god's sort of consciousness where you have six being you know kind of one thought process um and you have baltar being kind of another you know two sides of the brain almost um because the way that 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 it plays off you know the article talks about how you know six's expression is almost like a playful smirk as if she's teasing you know gaius retorts the way that he does he could be humoring her going along with the idea of a higher power before joking remembering it's actually them and utter uttering the line silly me silly silly me mm. um basically just acknowledging that they are you know collectively the god that they are speaking of i thought that uh, that has been one way i have thought about it because when when you look at them across the series there is a coordination happening with them you know like they are working with you know when when six is working with the real gaius and with when gaius is working with the real six there is a coordination happening of what they're trying to get them you know to do in some ways and so um so it seems like kind of an interesting thought that maybe at the end of this, what they're really admitting is that they are they are the god that has been kind of you know driving uh, a driving force behind where the Cylons and the humans have eventually end up, which is this prehistoric version of our Earth, which later becomes you know our reality. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, you know confirmation or or at least a support of a way that I have thought about it because it just feels very very off that that way. But well, um, that, that's and- my thinking. And to further add a layer to that theory, mm-hmm. what if we then take it from from the the binary, the the um, the two sides, and we round this thing out to a trinity? Oh, because at the beginning of that final scene, as as head six and head Baltar are conversing, oh, I know whose shoulder going. are they reading over? The Godfather. That'd be Ronald D. Moore, (laughs) the creator of the show. There you go. There you go, sir. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's just downright glorious, I think. Oh, I think it is. Piano, please. Delay kills me every time. There it is. Hammered on first I was afraid, I was petrified. Oh wait, wrong song. <laughs> See what they should have played as they walked off, you know, after the after uttering that line at the end. <laughs> well, not, not I mean, all along the Watchtower, we needed the glorious theme no, song to close out. <laughs> all on the Watchtower is so badass. Oh my gosh. Uh. There was no other way to close that, really. No one, other one, way. One little wrench to throw in this. There, there apparently, uh, those lines were actually cut down from the original uh, finale script. And okay. so in the article, uh, Gaius would say, you know, it doesn't like that name. And then he says, in any case, it would require mankind and all its flaws to learn from its mistakes. And Six would say, stranger things have happened. And Gaius then said, I think I'll take that bet. What are the stakes? And then he would say, silly me, silly, silly me. So when you put it in that context, it's kind of interesting. Like they're having a bit of a discussion on the likelihood that, um, 
you know, humanity would learn from its mistakes, which is, you know, one of the primary themes of that show. All this mm-hmm. has happened before. All this will happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I found that interesting. The, like that was an original read through of the script and then they cut it down to just those lines because um uh i don't know if they give a reason here let me say um, time i'd imagine yeah mostly i don't think they're really giving a a reason here but or maybe they're looking maybe they're looking to make it ambiguous yeah yeah however the series played with ambiguity on a number of fronts and so you know i mean starbuck Mm-hmm. We, Absolutely. That just, you know, hey, how are we going to, what, what happens to Starbucks? She just disappears. Say what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she just disappears. So you yeah. never really say, no, no, no. Let that cook your noodle for a little while. Um, but however, this whole idea of it being cyclical and this, all this has happened before and all this will happen again kind of plays into episode six. Uh, and one, uh, Balin Skull, who, you know, mentioned the, the cycle of power going between the, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, you know, the Republic and then the Empire and then that and that. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. What is this with villains talking to each other and actually creating depth and, and purpose and meaning in what they're doing? I mean, what what is this concept that, that has been uh, foisted upon us? Oh, no. Oh. I'm nervous. Well, Hold ladies me. and gentlemen, that is your Week in Geek. Oh, here we go. Main event time. Because finally, we have the live-action debut of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, Oh. yes. Goodness gracious. (laughs) So, I got to tell you, this episode, holy cow. I was blown away. And and before you start, I I have to just say, and if you couldn't tell through the texting that I was sending you, (laughs) I was damn near giddy for this man to watch this episode so we could banter a little bit about this or and or for me to say, what do you think if we do an entire episode on this episode, in which case he was like, "Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So the, the text was like, you know, oh, I haven't seen it yet. And I, I think you might have asked me, oh, have you seen it? And then as soon as I mentioned that I've seen it, it was just a stream. It was like a <laughs> wall of text. It was like, bing, 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 bing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, man, I was saving been, it up. He's been pent up. My gosh. And, and, and this when you were recovering, too, so you had nothing else to do. I, you know, I was still a little high on the anesthesia, so I think that might have influenced things a little bit. So. <laughs> I was wondering over some of that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's an interesting theory. I didn't oh. I didn't realize they were Oompa Loompas in a galaxy far, far away, but okay. The pink elephant will bring Ezra home. (laughs) I don't remember seeing Falcor flying alongside the Purgles, but okay, whatever, you know. Good stuff. Um, Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, such a great episode. How about you? How about you? uh, I mean, first of all, the open of this. Yes. The open of it and the back and forth between Ahsoka and Huyang. Of course, I mean, the, the big one being, mm-hmm. you know, man, taking something that we've just, in a way, kind of just taken for granted as like, oh, and that's the way that every Star Wars movie starts. Yep. And then tying it into no, or yes, but this is also how they would tell the young, the younglings stories in the Jedi <laughs> Temple. Like, that is just such a deft little thing that is such a great little detail that i'm like this is a dude who cares so much about this mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. like to an unreasonable, like maybe to an unhealthy degree, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. kind of makes you wonder if Dave Filoni does has any other interests besides Star Wars. Makes me feel a little nervous for probably him. not, probably not. He's 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 all in on this, man. But man, that entire opening scene too of of just like. You know, uh, Rosario Dawson just acting her ass off in oh. that, and and managing to go back and forth, and the and kind of posing those questions of like, you know, I I wasn't there to help her get the right answer, mm-hmm. and this idea mm-hmm. of like maybe this isn't what's right, it's what's necessary, and 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 all it kind of posing a bunch of big questions, and then that's that's all you get of Ahsoka, <laughs> yeah, for the entire episode, but it it it, it sets the table yeah. so well. It does. So well. And, and, you know, a thought I've had as I've been, you know, going over and processing this episode, I've, I've, I've rewatched the Thrawn pieces probably about 10 times now. <laughs> rewatched probably the first half of the episode just before we recorded. But, uh, one thing that, that kind of stood out to me as, as I, as I watched that, that intro for about the third or fourth time is the, the exchange about Sabine's choice. Mm. And, it really got me thinking how there's a lot of similarities to the choice that she made to kind of go forward with, with going with, you know, Balin and, and with Elizabeth to Luke in the empire strikes back Mm -hmm. deciding to go and, and save his friends when he has his vision Mm -hmm. and, and, and when he sees what can be the only outcome. And, and so I, I, I like that exchange that she and, and, and Hu Yang had had where it is this discussion of was she fated to make that choice or was it the only choice that she saw that she could make or was it a choice that she made simply for herself, you know, mm-hmm. um, because that, that very much mirrors a lot of what Luke did. And we all know what happened when Luke did that is that one of the gang suffered because of it. And so what I'm well, wondering I mean, is, I mean, two of them too, because, you know, well, fair enough. Fair, oh, no, the, 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 fair enough. But are we, in a way, heading toward that sort of em, Empire Strikes Back kind of ending where there is going to be a cost that comes with finding Ezra? The, 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 there is, you know, they have found Ezra. Now, in in if you want to go super dark, I think it would be ridiculous and, and, and almost... Well, I, I don't want to say it, it would be the wrong thing to do, but how crazy would it be if Ezra, if the cost is Ezra's life? You know um, what I mean? Like, like she makes the journey, she gets reunited with him, she wants to bring him back. Something happens because there is going to be most likely a face-off with Balin and and Shin Hadi, right? Mm-hmm. Or is you know so so does Ezra pay pay the price with his life, or is the cost going to come from Ahsoka? That that because I feel like where this is going is this is going to be about Sabine's journey, and does Sabine have to suffer some loss, such as the loss of her master, to finally get to a place of where her master was trying to take her to, you know, and 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 really understand what what you know open her mind to to really trying to understand like what she needs to learn and how she needs to be. I don't know. But I'm also the guy that wanted Ant-Man to get jobbed out to Kang, and that didn't happen. So You just want everyone to die in all these movies. Hey, I want some stakes, baby. I want some... Well, I, well I you like... always want stakes. <laughs> Good God. That isn't obvious at this point. I walked into that one. 
little little blue cheese crust, a little gorgonzola yeah. crust. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Don't make me hungry right now. I'm trying not to eat late at night. Anyways, I I you know I'm hoping some wild mushrooms on the side. <laughs> See, I don't like mushrooms, so I'm good uh, with that. Okay, All right. um, I think. Now you talk about some garlic butter melted on top of that bad boy. Oh. Boy. Little, little medium rare, medium mm. rare, baby. Mm-mm. Oh, I, I'm I'm not a medium rare sort of guy. Medium, All I right. can't do the medium. I got to have it cooked to like at least it's not like going to crawl off the plate. You know no, what I mean? I I I need it. I need it bleeding out. So, um, <laughs> although dude, dude I I tried. Some, I had some uh, some bison tips. Ooh, this past weekend. Very nice. Oh, like butter. Anyways, um, back to Ahsoka. Yeah, I'm, I'm drooling now. That's great. Saliva is overwhelming my mouth, folks. He's he's going to ask me to take a five minute break, not for a bathroom, uh, you know, getaway. I'm going to go grill some flank steak outside. He's going to come back. He's going to have a plate uh, filled with with many meats and foods, and he's going to have a little feast, and then he won't be able to sleep tonight. So, um, so here's the thing. I'm hoping that. And, and I read a little bit. I thought one of the interesting things is that maybe there's a few little little digs at Star Wars fans or a few mm. little, you know, things. And, of course, like the first one being of, uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka <clears throat> when, you know, Hu Yang is saying, you know, oh, yes, uh, History of the Galaxy parts one, two, and three. And Ahsoka being part one being the best. Being <laughs> the, the dig at, you know, OG Star Wars fans. Who are like, oh, yeah, everything after A New Hope sucks. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, that sort of thing. Um I kind of hope that this whole thing with Balin wanting to break cycles, yeah, might be kind of like a hey, you think that of course the the master is going to have to sacrifice himself because that's what we've seen in all three of the tri- of the trilogies. Yeah, you see Obi Wan's master, you know, sacrifice himself. You see, uh, you see. Uh, 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 obi-wan do it in in the og trilogy and then you see uh you know luke do it in the in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. you know is that what's going to happen again i'm hoping that it, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. i'm hoping that that's an indication that that feloni is kind of giving you a little wink like i know yeah and you, we're going to try and do this a different way i think to me and again, I might not. Uh, I, I, well, I'm not the typical Star Wars fan that I can tell because I actually in, in, enjoy life. Um, but um, the the for me, a very satisfying consequence is ending Ahsoka with Thrawn essentially like almost a, almost having this shadow, like almost reconnecting with enough remnants of the Empire to now be an enormous threat like showing up and almost like having some sort of stamp on the on the situation like now thrawn is in control definitively and the Mm -hmm. and the and the you know the republic is 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 like shaking you know and and that what are we going to do how are we going to counter this is we can't you know that sort of thing to me, especially if you're you're then looking at this stretching further out into movies, into maybe other streaming services, other shows or whatever, that's perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to necessarily kill one of these characters. You could have something happen to one of them where you know there's a loss of confidence. Maybe a, you know Ezra is, can't believe what or I don't know. I mean, there's a way that you could make that happen without someone necessarily having to have that 
now traditional blood sacrifice that we see in every Star Wars. Yeah. Save that for later, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't necessarily think that to me, I, I would be very satisfied with that of just, hey, Thrawn is in control and oh, crap. Now, what do we do mm-hmm. sort of thing <clears throat> to me? That's a huge stake because, I mean, we just in in so far what we've seen of Thrawn, like he's terrifying. Even if you even if you don't know, like the entire backstory <laughs> of Thrawn, Thrawn, you see this guy, you're like, oh, this is not someone to be taken lightly. Yeah. You know, yeah. instantly. Yeah, that's my opinion. Agreed. Uh, I, I'll talk a little bit more about the portrayal of Thrawn in, in a moment. Um, just as, and not that I'm trying to restrict us to just a, a pure, you know, uh, retelling of the episode as it aired in sequence, but I did want to get your thoughts uh, just to exit out of the intro here. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. We, we had a different view of hyperspace. So we, we have mm. like intergalactic hyperspace and, and I, I got this from reading an article. I didn't think of it this way, but um, extra galactic hyperspace now yes. as you jump from galaxy to galaxy. Uh, I thought it was a nice touch to do that because mm-hmm. to treat it as as the huge would, would be a little bit like kind of short selling the, the impact of it, you know, yeah. um, Balin, I think in episode four, when they're trying to figure out the coordinates, I love how he has that line to Morgan Elsbeth where he's like, these better be pretty darn accurate because if we're wrong, we're going to end up in the void. And that isn't a place we need to end up. in. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. sound like it's very pleasant. So, <laughs> yeah, no, so, I think that's, I think that was such a great idea and it's yeah. and such a nice touch that absolutely it does it it does make you go oh this is different you know again it 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 sets some stakes for for what's happening because it's not as simple as i'm going from this system to this system like if we get lost there's going to be actual consequences for this and oh yeah and so I, i i i like how there's an added bit of danger you know that that comes with this sort of you know traversal and it's not something that's you know, taken lightly. And so well, and it's not something that anyone can, it's not something that can be readily done um, by just anybody. Yes. I, I yeah. like that because I mean, we, yep. we talk about, you know, again, going back to BSG, like, yeah, they, they made a series of jumps and, the, and that idea of like going way out past the red line and, you know, and doing a series of jumps to get like, they could still do that. It wasn't like it was beyond them. It was just going to take a long ass time. Yeah. Getting from one galaxy to another in the Star Wars universe is like this is an enormous undertaking. Yeah, you know, like the yeah. the, the <clears throat> hyperdrives that were in place. Either that, or you need a Purgle. Yep. You know, who are these creatures who can just kind of do it? And it's you know, it's kind of your <laughs> your loophole in the situation. Yeah. But still, there's only two ways that we now know that this works. And so, yeah, because otherwise Thrawn would have been hopscotching his ass, his happy ass, you know, back to, back to the galaxy, not so far away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't. <clears throat> so Absolutely. obviously this is, this is a daunting thing. So I like how that's set up and I like how there's, there's a bit of visual language to it. I thought that was a great touch. Yeah. And, and I love how the, the, uh, whatever you call it, what they're in the hyperspace ring when they come out of hyperspace, I don't know if you caught this, but, I love how like parts of the ring were actually like it looked like it was like on fire and then it kind of mm. cooled off as it came out like like there was definitely like some kind of an effect that isn't the the norm that we see in Star Wars with hyperspace that just made it feel like to your point just visually different you know oh, yeah, and there was and, like there was sort of like crackling lightning yeah energy yeah. was dispersing as it, yeah no that it, was great it, it was it was it was just very well done that way um uh 
you know, I, I, th- this episode was really about the little details. I, I love how when they're flying down to Peridia that um, as, as they're flying in that small shuttle, the, um, th- you know, just, just like the water on the windshield, it felt very, it made it very relatable and real. You know what I mean? Like if you've ever been in a car in a rainstorm, like that's what happens on the windshield is the water parting, um, yeah. you know, well, as you're going down. And I thought that was a really neat like little detail they did as they're descending into the, into the planet. Um, yeah, because it's always been, and and we mentioned this in Mando too, when the the time that he he was uh, coming into the the water planet there, mm. and and you, we got the Apollo thirteen moment of like, oh my gosh, this you know this is going badly because yep. it was always just taken for granted, like yeah, you come out of hyperspace and you just glide down to the planet and you land, yeah, like it was, it's not something like we know on our planet, it's a big deal to go from space to atmosphere right and i get it why you don't make that a big deal in star wars because i mean otherwise that's like wasting time Mm -hmm. so when they actually show some of the difficulty or some of the the treacherousness or you know of that it kind of stands out and you're right it it added to that like ooh, we really don't know where we're going not really you know even though this is the this is like this woman's you know homeworld ish she ain't never been there yeah she don't know yep you know she didn't grow up there so it's like it it adds that layer of mystery and and that kind of like there's a bit of trepidation for you know for everyone who isn't uh elsbeth there yeah (laughs) and and you know the droid because the droid is like oh well whatever you know so it's it, it it does it adds more tension yeah yeah and those little things like showing the weather and stuff like that that's so yeah totally um so they land uh they come upon the great mothers uh who are apparently some highfalutin witches uh on on this planet who are, are apparently looking to get off uh with with uh thrawn as kind sorry of, what well they're looking to get off the planet oh okay just checking oh I I just wanted to establish what we were talking about, Uncle sir. Todd, I'm not, dude, I've been up late. I've I've I'm running on less sleep than normal. I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly, I sir. I think you need some steak, is what you need, sir. I, believe me, I would take some right now after you sat there and talked about it. <laughs> Little mashed potatoes, some tater tots. Oh, just, I, oh, <laughs> tater tots upstairs too, and I'm gonna be eating it like eleven o'clock tonight. Little cheese and ketchup drizzle on those tater tots. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I got some, I got Chick-fil-A sauce, baby. <laughs> oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. Tater Uncle tots Todd does it right. Sauce. Get some, get some cheese on those. Cause hey, <laughs> who cares about cholesterol? At this point, just uh, have your doctor write a script for a statin or something like that. You're good to the thing is I've got some, I've got some chili that I made yesterday. So I could put that. I could get a nice bed chili of chili tots. Yes. Oh, oh, oh yeah. very nice. Yeah. yeah. Let let the chili flow through you. Yes. Do it. Do it. All right. So we actually did get an answer to something we kind of talked about a few episodes ago, which is you know how exactly, um, you know if Morgan Elizabeth is on this journey to get to this point, how how did she get prompted to do this? You know, we were trying to figure out was. You know, for a while we thought Marek, who was this, you know, kind of a this masked assassin, was like really Ezra, who was sent back by Thrawn. Turns out he was really like the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, I mean that that or or (laughs) the Iron Mike Sharp of the Star Wars universe. Ah! (laughs) 
with the forum. I love how you and I did the exact same thing when we talked about Iron Mike Sharp. It wasn't just raising the forum, but it was the, you know, because he was always so, you know, vociferous in, 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 in the ring. Like I think that. he had some phlegm. He was trying to work up. That's really oh what it was. Gosh. His normal speaking voice was like, and, you know, furthermore, and so forth. But, you know, yes. it, it was yes. the 80s. It was You could still smoke indoors. But we found out that the great mothers apparently communicated to Morgan Elizabeth through visions, through a dream um, about what was kind of going on um, when, when they first encounter them. And so I thought that was a nice detail there to kind of help close the loop, if you will, to say, how on earth... Did, did this even materialize for Thrawn? Because mm. he, he, as we find out, is clearly stuck and is not exactly in great shape either. Uh, we'll, 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 well, we'll get to how they all look, you know. Are we, are we talking um, about Thrawn in particular? Because Thrawn's got himself a little, he got a little soft around the middle. He's not, <laughs> he ain't as thin and trim as he was in Rebels the last time we saw him in animation. All I right. saw him and I'm like, oh, somebody's been eating well still, though. One, one second. I, I have to pull this up because... Eating some of them noty things that they're under the shells. Like, oh, yeah, yes, bring me two of those medium me rare with the garlic sauce. Mm. I'm, I'm looking up a, uh, <laughs> a chat I had with... Okay, this is what I, I chatted with, with my son, my son Jackson. He says, uh, I, I write to him, what did you think about Thrawn? And I wrote, I thought he and his troopers looked pretty menacing. This is the first thing he writes back to me. Thrawn needs to lose some weight. <laughs> we got dad bod Thrawn. <laughs> what has this got? <laughs> you know, and that's part of the reason why we're all we're all so excited about him is because we see him and like, wow, he does look like a badass. And everyone else looks, is like, are you serious? The hairline <laughs> halfway back here. I'm like, I can identify with this guy. There, there were times during the show when you would get certain angles of him where I'm like, oh, yeah. could someone not have made sure that his hair was perfectly slicked back? You know what yes. I mean? It why killed it like, me. Why is it like... <laughs> I mean, but then again, I mean, it had kind of a weird thing going on there a little bit, but nonetheless, obviously, you know, on uh, what's the name of this? What's the name of the the planet? Peridia or something like that? Yeah. Peridia. Not not a lot of, you know, not a great barbershop there. You know, he's he's got one of them troopers, you know, cutting his hair. And we all know how troopers are. Everything's a little bit off center. A little bit. (laughs) A little bit. Um. But uh, yeah, so we we end up uh, finding out, you know, a, a little bit about how this plan was hatched, you know, through this communication with the Great Mothers. We have a great exchange between Balin and Shin Hate. You've already kind of touched on it about getting a little more insight into Balin's motivations of wanting to break this cycle of of power that has gone back and forth, which I thought was. I don't know how to say this, and 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 it. I don't know if it hit you this way because of of the background I have, you know, playing the old Republic game. But what he says really resonated because of the fact that his whole speech about how power has gone in cycles. Like, if it's not the Republic, it's the Empire, and if it's not the Empire, it's the Republic. That is how you know these games that go back in into times that, that long precede the Star Wars original trilogy. Mm-hmm. 
that is how these games are framed, that there's this constant struggle between the Republic and the Empire. And one of them gets a little bit of an advantage and then the other gets an advantage. And it just keeps going back and forth through history. Um, you know, we happen to come in in the old in, in the original trilogy during the time of the Republic where the Jedi had 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 a presence that allowed peace to be kept for, you know, I think Obi-Wan says for a thousand, you know, generations or something like that. You know, there was a long period of peace and yet it still ended up falling at some point, you know, with, with you know, at the hands of, of, of Palpatine. And so I thought it was, again, when we talk about details, I thought it was great that in his description or, or his discussion with his apprentice, he talks about that because that is true in this universe. There has been this constant cycle of power grab and power loss. And now we understand he's trying to strive for something that breaks that cycle. But the question is, okay, how are you like, you, you know, your, your next question goes to, okay, I understand where he wants to go, but how are you going to get there? Mm-hmm. Like, how does the beginning look? How does breaking that cycle look exactly? Because there has to be some order, right? There has to be something that brings order to the galaxy. And what does that look like? So it just really, I, I really appreciate how, how they spent some time, not only with the two of them on that discussion, but even later on when they're pursuing, uh, you know, Sabine, um, they, they have a further discussion about the Jedi and, and, and it gets into, like, I, I love how he gets into this terminology of Bakken Jedi and, and how they're, you know, how, how Ezra is different and that sort of thing. And so just again, great attention to detail deepens the lore, deepens him as a character, knowing the fact that this, this poor man passes away in our reality. I'm just like, Man, I, not that I want them to kill his character off, but for, for just to do service to him as a character, I, I really hope he doesn't persist on because I don't know if anyone can fill his shoes after this. He's, he is, Ray Stevenson has just knocked it out of the park as oh, Bailey. Yeah. Holy yeah. Moly. Well, two things with that. So the first being, um, I don't think he necessarily, uh, I don't think he necessarily says anything about there being order. Which no, I almost wonder. I wonder if he's he's like looking at it in in more of a chaotic sense, mm. you know, where he's not striving for power because I mean, it doesn't. He's looking for power, but it's what the, what he wants that power to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, are we heading in? The, are we heading in almost like a a Thanos sort of direction, or you know, one of these things where it's like I just want the whole thing to burn, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think the second is is going back to him talking about the the sw- the swaying back and forth of power and 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 how it's a cycle, and and in a way, it's the same thing I've been saying about Star Wars that people get so pissed off about it, like oh it's the same story. It's like well it is, but it's also like this is how stories work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're seeing the same thing get repeated. And the same, the sins of the father go to the son and the, you know, th- those who don't learn from history are repeating it. And it, and even if they're not repeating it exactly, it is damn close, yeah. you know, <clears throat> and I think there's a bit of commentary there too. And it's, and it's a little bit of self-awareness. Now, what I find interesting here is granted we're at episode six here and there's also been many whispers of how do how do you fix the the sequel trilogy and all of those things there's there is an there is a definitive off ramp Mm -hmm. that is being kind of like it's not really there but it's almost like you're kind of getting it you're seeing a little shadow of it on the map somewhere like are they heading in a direction of 
taking a hard exit off of this and doing what I think is is ludicrous and what is essentially taking seven, eight, nine out of canon mm. and almost like saying, oh no, that was a that was a that was a fever dream by Luke. And now this is the direction that everything is going in. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I did even see that. <clears throat> and part of me is almost wondering, is like, is Filoni doing that just to mess with people? Mm-hmm. I kind of hope he is. Um but I thought that was interesting. Like there is this idea of like, I'm going to break the cycle and how does that work? And mm. and is that, is this some way that they're going to try and tweak some of the events that happen in the, in the sequel trilogy into more of the direction that they want to go? I don't yeah. know. I mean, quite honestly, <laughs> I, I don't like the idea at its, at, at its face, but right now Filoni. And if you tell me that Filoni and Favreau are going to, run with this thing gosh i'm so tempted to be like all right whatever yeah (laughs) you know but well i think something you said was interesting i hadn't thought of it when when you talk about the the beginning is yeah is he looking to do some sort of mass reset you know like 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 you said like the thanos sort of thing like the the entire concept of thanos thanos wiping out half of civilization was more resource oriented but his you know his past self who comes into the future in, in endgame has a more you know, dark plan, which is I'm just going to wipe all of all of, you know, life out and restart well, finding out that his his first plan doesn't work. Right. When, when his first plan doesn't work, like wipe everything out so that no one remembers what once was. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, again, it goes back to the question of what is this power? Like, wh- like he seems to believe something is is on this planet or is in this galaxy that he can latch onto to kind of do this and so Mm -hmm. what is that exactly it's not him just going to a new galaxy because the problems in in the other one are still going to happen so what is this beginning he's looking for exactly you know and and that that to me is very interesting because i've i've read some articles that talk about you know even pulling in some really far out you know lore kind of stuff that would probably blow some people's minds a little bit because it takes you know star wars into more of kind of a fantasy realm than it already was in but I don't know. It's it, it's just an interesting dynamic. I just appreciate too that they're, that they're putting you know, and I made a joke about this earlier, but I love that they're putting time into characters like this. Like this doesn't happen all the time in mm-hmm. these stories we get. You know, like even in Mando season three, like we didn't get a lot of investment in you know Giancarlo's character, Esposito's character. I mean, he comes back, they have a fight, he gets defeated. His, you know, his clones are destroyed. I mean, it's just like it, it just was like way too easy. You know what I mean? Or, or just didn't have it didn't carry any weight because there wasn't time really spent with that character. It was just a his character is very simple and very one dimensional. He's power hungry and he's going to do what he wants to do to, you know, kind of bring the empire back in his own way. But there's really nothing more to him other than that. So to have yeah. the, the, the master apprentice who are not light side, you know, members, but are, are more either in the gray area or more to the dark side, have those, those moments together, I think is, is really interesting. It's not Ahsoka and Sabine. It's, it's these other two that we've just been introduced to. And I feel like they have a much deeper relationship, at least that we can connect to than what we've seen from Ahsoka and Sabine, even though, you know, we do have the rebels, you know, kind of background there. So very true. So interesting. Yep. All right. Well, we've been skirting around. Oh, hang on. yes, sir. Hang on. I, I got to pause for a bathroom break, and so I want to say goodnight to Kalen. So he I'll, says a bathroom break. It's steak. He's going to get some steak, some tater tots, some chili. Yeah, That's what I, he's w- doing. I don't have that much time. All right.
got to get a better chair. Ah, a little uncomfortable. Oh, oh, man, you sit on that for multiple hours? I got a taint sprain. I can't even get a sling for it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what I got to deal with. Yep. Sorry, you think, signed on for this about 20 some feeling, odd years ago. I think I'm feeling an AFib episode starting up again. <laughs> Good God. All right. You've been on this ride longer than Kim. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, we, sir, have been skirting around uh, yes. the main event of the main event of the main event. You're wearing a skirt? Is there those groinal bruises that... That rough? Not wearing a skirt. I said we are skirting around. Oh, it's a kilt. Anyways. Uh, And that is the debut of the Grand Admiral. And so we have, first of all, the the scene before the scene, which is the the great mothers, uh, all all the characters really, um, minus Sabine, uh, on this pedestal of sorts outside and we see, or, or we hear it actually it was really well done. Sabine's trying to use the force to open the door. Yeah. You think she's starting to like take down the entire prison with whatever she's doing. And it turns out it is because everyone knows it has to be, it has to be rocks. Yes. It's something to do with the force. Of course has to not steel, not, not, not normal stuff. It's gotta be rocks yeah. and dirt. Uh, and so things start shaking and she kind of looks around and, and sure enough, it is the rumbling of an Imperial star destroyer. Known oh my gosh. As and the, the reveal. Oh, the way that they, the way that instead of like, just like the, the way that they kind of came up and then the star destroyers reveal, like as you pan up, that is just mm-hmm. cruising right straight forward. Oh my gosh. Gorgeous cinematography. What was the oh. um, what was the Steven Spielberg movie last year that he that was like a, a biography that he did? Um, trying was to think. It? The hold on, let me find it. The um, I do not know. I'm I'm looking for oh the Fablemans. Okay, there's this great scene at the end of the Fablemans because it's really about him up to the point where he kind of enters into the movie industry and he has, um, he has this run in with, uh, who the heck is it? Um, sorry, I, I wasn't really prepared to talk about this, but <laughs> let me just do a fable. And I got into cinematography. He's like, Oh, hang on a minute. Let's talk about the Spielberg squeeze. Um, did I just, I did. I just totally zipped my headphone cord into my, into my sweatshirt. You that was something awesome special, right sir. there. You were something oh, special. It's a, I'm just going to pieces over here, man. All right. Oh, okay. So there's, so the final scene is essentially Spielberg meeting, um, legendary director, John Ford as played by David Lynch. Okay. And there's this great exchange. If you haven't seen the movie or you just want to see the clip, check the clip out. But you know, John Ford, apparently very brash, very, you know, harsh kind of person. And so, you know, this, this, this young kid comes into his office and introduces himself and he's asking him like what he knows about making pictures. And he kind of starts, you know, stuttering about some stuff and he points to a picture on the wall and he's like, what do you see in that picture? And it's a picture of basically, I think it's uh, Indians looking down on, on a plane. And so he's describing the picture and he's like, um, no, no, no. And, and he tells him what to say. And then he points to another picture, which is like, you know, cowboys like pointing up or something like that. And anyways, the, the, the whole moral of it is 
you know, if if the horizon's at the top of the picture, it's interesting. If the horizon's at the bottom of the picture, it's interesting. If it's in the middle, it's goddamn boring. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I thought of when I saw the Chimera, because when you look at the way mm-hmm. they filmed that, it was, you know, from that top, you know, horizon at the top sort of situation where it, you don't see anything but that tower. And then it slowly kind of pans down and you see the enormity of the Star Destroyer rolling in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, if that was not the best way, then you get the undershot of it, which has the, you know, the serpent, you know, that that we're all those of us who have read the books are all too familiar with, you know, the Chimera um, looks a little freaky because it's got like gold plating on it from the damage that was done, you know, from what happens at the end of rebels, because the chimera undergoes some damage during that whole purgle situation, um, that brings them over there. Um, and then I don't know if you noticed this, but they, they had like, you know, kind of like impulse engines going, but did you notice that two out of the three massive engines are like basically like burrowed out, like almost like they, they, you know, use the 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 parts i think for for what they had for the small thrusters or something like no there's I, only I, one active like good looking engine in the back i did notice like there when when they showed the top mm-hmm. of the star destroyer you could see a lot of panels and stuff missing that had obviously been taken out and repurposed like yep. they're dealing with finite Yes. resources yes and again a great detail to call out for someone who's been exiled for 10 years yeah and and also then when once you get into the stormtroopers then it becomes really obvious yeah how finite yep. resources are oh yeah oh yeah so this 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 uh the star destroyer lands you know around around this tower we have the 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 bridge extend and then the music hits oh, and, oh my god like I'm not going to sit here and claim that I had in my head the perfect way to introduce Thrawn, but that music was just phenomenal. Like just this eerie organ. Hey, there it is. Kind of like this, but not quite. A little more organish. But we need this. That's right. Walk in the aisle. With the chance of his name, he will defend. That's right. That was. It actually goes really well with the song when you start doing it that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that lick right there. Rock in the aisle. Anyways, but no, it's it, everything about that. There is oh. a very creepy undertone. Like there is, there is a bit of the. Um, there's a bit of apocalypse now. Yes. Like in some ways, like mm-hmm. Thrawn is Colonel Kurtz. Yep. And he'd been up the river a long ass time. And those people who, who are up the river with him, the ones who are still there, they are true believers at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they are ready to whatever. Well, and, um, and, and it kind of goes back to the, you know, almost the the foreboding music for the opening crawl of episode one of Ahsoka, where we had the red lettering. It was very, mm-hmm. you know, kind of concerning sounding music now not this music was probably more so i mean it it was definitely setting the tone of what had been built up to be a major force to be reckoned with in the star wars universe and and i love how the the music builds it up and then you know we we see now to to go with all of this um we have enoch 
who is basically, it seems, his his, his right-hand man, you know, shouting out orders to the stormtroopers. But that whole scene where his the back of his helmet is is to the audience, and then he turns and looks. Mm. And honest to God, I had a total throwback to, to Gladiator the movie because yeah. there was a Gladiator who wore a flip-up mask. I forget who it was, but he fought Maximus in 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 battle in in the uh, in the Coliseum. And it was just a decorative thing he was doing. It almost had like a tear coming down it, but it was like that. And Mm -hmm. to see that transposed onto a stormtrooper helmet was freaky. Oh yeah, like it was very like oh well. And this is this is serious stuff here. (laughs) And the interesting thing about that because I've uh, I've somewhat because you know just with with the nature of how I've been watching stuff and everything else mm-hmm. with windows open or, or whatever air conditioner running, I've, I've been using a lot of subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yep. When they first are showing Enoch, it says Enoch uh, giving orders or Enoch talking in alien language. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Who is Enoch? Mm-hmm. Because he sounds way different than any stormtrooper we've, we've, we've come across before. Well, I want to go back to prior like episodes two or three where we hear Merrick speak because I think there's a lot of mm. similarities to Merrick and how because he sounded very digital the way he was talking and he turns out to be I don't know what to call him if he was undead if he was some sort of zombie soldier mm. but he went to dust as soon as Ahsoka put a lightsaber through him yeah so is Enoch made up of the same like, like I feel like was Merrick kind of a harbinger of what we're about to see you know, which is you have Enoch. And then when you look at all these stormtroopers who are wearing the busted up armor, it's all dirty. They're they're They look like they've, you know, been, been living through hell and they're and and they're all wrapped up in some way, shape or form with this sort of, I don't know if it's a cloth or what it is that is related to the great mothers, mm-hmm. which Merrick had his entire armor was that color. So, are we looking at and and in in the subtitles I saw it called them night troopers? Yes, yeah, which I found very interesting. So, are are they literally an army of the undead, or which actually works pretty well in the Star Wars universe when you make that army of the undead look like stormtroopers? Because then visually, not a whole lot has changed for me, the viewer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's still stormtroopers; it's just made up of something different. You know, I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's just it's it's the idea that first of all, and I think it's. There, there isn't a you know when I say that those are the true believers. First of all, Thrawn already inspired that. Like we yeah. got that in the other Thrawn books, and the people who 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 served with Thrawn were loyal to him. Bingo. Yep. To an un, to an a, an unnerving degree, not out of fear, mm-hmm. but out of genuine loyalty for him because he was not like the other Imperial officers. He was yep. not wasteful of people's lives. He was he was he was careful, and and he there was an expectation that yes you you should not disappoint me but however i am not going to take every single failure as mm-hmm. a something punishable by death i'm not that weak and arrogant um so i think i the, the idea that then it's almost these these people are the true believers because they already were loyal to him more than likely and now he's kept them alive this long mm-hmm. I mean, the it's going. It, it would not surprise me if they've if they have decided that the, you know either naturally themselves or Thrawn rechristened them or whatever that you're no longer stormtroopers. Mm. You know, you are this other thing, and that you know he really has kind of created this other 
type of, you know, brand of the empire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? However, and so going, going back to the entrance, here's the thing that I find really interesting. Even though we, I mean, oh my gosh, the reveal of the chimera is amazing. The reveal of the, of the night troopers is amazing. The, the music, the way that everything just happens. There is not a grand reveal for Thrawn mm-hmm. in, the, in a traditional way that you would normally, like there's no like just turn around and the, then the music stabs. And, Very businesslike. Like as all this is pageantry, like he just kind of all of a sudden walks into frame and he with his back to us. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get the reveal of his face and everything. But it's not this grand flourish, which I was like, that is so that character. Yes. Like yes. just confident and businesslike. And yep, he is a the figure that he cuts is going to be unique because of him being this alien and, and very distinct amongst other people in the Empire. But not like trying to do the Vader at the end of Rogue One, where right. they talked about like the fact in order for Vader to be in a darkened hallway like that, he had to have turned off his life support mm-hmm. because otherwise you'd have the little flashy things. So in order to do that, like he had to literally sit there and almost hold his breath. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not that like dramatic thing. He just walks in the frame like I own this joint. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with, yeah, with his soldiers behind him, and yeah. and when he comes in, to your point, it doesn't crescendo with the music. The crescendo comes in with the line, which is him just showing up and you know being front and center, and and just that that line that I started out the the, the you know the show with, what was once a dream, is now a frightening reality for those who choose to oppose us. Yep, and I mean it's just like. That is Thrawn to a T. I mean, yeah, it's it is, his mission statement. There, there is no, you know, there's no pyro. There, there's no yelling and screaming. <laughs> there's, there's no craziness like you said. There's no foreboding. You know, with with the breathing with Vader, it is simply, this is who I am, and this is what's about to be. And and it and I think the acting of everyone was phenomenal. Like Morgan Elsbeth, who is a descendant of, or, you know, of, of this planet of, of, of the race that came from this planet who is tied to these great mothers. This is the thing that, that I love that they frame with Thrawn. She looks downright freaking scared of him. Balin hmm. looks downright freaking scared of him. Oh, they're all a little, I love how, like after they, and not to jump too far ahead here, yeah, yeah. but after they let Sabine go and then, you know, and Thrawn is, you know, okay, now follow at your pace. And, and, and I, was it Hattie who says, uh, you know, are you not going to follow through in a deal? And, she, and Thrawn explains like, no, he'll have, she'll have the opportunity to find Ezra as, as he was, as she was told. Mm-hmm. And if she does, you'll kill them both. Yeah. The look that, that Shin Hattie gives Thrawn like, damn. Yeah. Okay. And you are that cold of a son of a bitch. And, okay. And to your point, <laughs> throughout the thread throughout the episode with him that 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 they absolutely nailed from the books with him is the subtlety right oh yeah they don't bang you over the head with that but as the as the episode plays out and those are the parts i've watched like many many times since this episode aired because i i just i wanted to kind of take it in again like how did they frame him as a character it is incredible because you're seeing a this is an Imperial officer who's not a moron like we've been conditioned to see. Mm-hmm. B, you start to very subtly see the way this guy thinks. Like, 
it, and, and, it, and it was hysterical how he did this in layers. He turns Sabine loose. She's like, oh, you're just going to let me walk out the door? Absolutely. You help me. I'm going to help you. Go ahead. Yep. And then and, as soon but, as she uh, leaves. But also lets her know, like, I'm I'm also doing this because you pose no threat to me. As soon as you leave here, I yes. can leave and you're not going anywhere. Yes. Yep. So it's it's he's he's not even being exceptionally deceptive. No, he's just he's basically stating the situation, which is the situation. Yeah. Then that exchange you're talking about with Balin and Shin, you know, that that whole back and forth about, well, wait a minute, there was a, he's like, no, she's going to have the opportunity to find Ezra. Yeah. And when she does, you're going to be there to kill them both. Yeah. And, and it's and, just like, this is the plan. Bishop to, you know, you're nice, yeah. you know, well, and, like- and very much like, uh, like in, in, in pirates, in the first pirates of the Caribbean movies and you have, um, oh my gosh, uh, Barbosa. Yeah. You know, you have the character like wants to have parlay and you'll, you'll stop, you know, hostilities on Port Royal and turn and, and never leave and never come back. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I want to go. He's like, that was not part of the deal. You know, and, 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 and all of a sudden now you realize like, oh, this guy's clever. Yeah. yeah. In this way, it's sort of the same thing with Thrawn, except he's just doing it in a much less colorful, over the top way. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, almost like it's CM Punk, man. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Right. And he ain't like, nope, he is. He's adhering exactly to that because then- he's. He's a bad guy, yeah. but he's also kind of an honorable, upfront bad guy because he's just that damn smart that he doesn't have to be deceptive in a in a lying, scheming, you know, mustache twisting sort of villain way. Like he's like, no, I'll just outthink you. Thanks. I mean, he he distills the situation down to its core tenets, and you know, mm-hmm. so like, let's jump ahead to to the next scene after that, which is he's just alone with Morgan Elizabeth. Oh, you know, they're kind I of looking at, at the map. And Enoch comes in and says, should we send, you know, you know, support for, for, you know, Shin and, and, and Balin. And he says two squads and more. And Elsbeth says, why don't you send more? And he go, and th- that's where you get a that sense pause. that pause. Oh, like, Oh, he's just like, you know oh, what? numbers have dwindled. Yeah. <laughs> two squads Al- will be enough. <laughs> almost like I will explain this to you once. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and the fact that he then goes into, again, here's the core tenets of the situation. Our objective is to leave this galaxy. Yeah. If they're dead or if they're stranded here, we're leaving the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, r- tell me an Imperial outside of Vader and maybe Palpatine who thought like that. I mean, we, we just don't see that or we've never seen that from an officer in these movies and in these shows. And it is so refreshing to see a guy who you can already see subtly is thinking five steps ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, just, I loved it. it. It was such a great way to take the character off the page, put him live in living color in front of us and manifest the things that we were kind of thinking as we read about him, you know, like, like him just being this, strategic you know genius where he's just outthinking everyone because everyone around him is like either emotional or just not thinking as many mm-hmm. steps ahead as he is and sabine said a great thing you know when when he goes to her and says you you basically made a decision of the fate of your galaxy on this one belief and she says you wouldn't understand and he's and and he correctly says no i don't because yeah. i don't believe like she's very emotional and he is not 
And that but is at the same time, in that moment, yeah. I, and this is again like the 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 nice layering that they're doing, and it's also nice that they're giving this to a, to the guy, yeah, who who voiced this character, who obviously put a lot of legwork into understanding the character. Mm-hmm. The, there was a, there's a moment of him kind of going, "I don't, I should probably think about this." Like there, that's he's fair. acknowledging it, and he's also going, "Hmm." There's there's a there's a little something there that made me You're go, right. especially yeah. the second time I watched it. I'm like, yep. he's acknowledging that that might be a blind spot, yes. and he's probably going to go and try and correct that. Yep, you know, and and the same with when they when they say, you know, there's a, there's a Jedi coming, mm-hmm. and Thrawn is well now he's concerned because well. I'm in a. He's in a very weak that position. That is unwelcome news. Yeah, <laughs> which was a great way to put it. But he knows he's in a weak position. He yep. knows that he can't more than likely deal with a Jedi at this point. I mean, he knows he probably could. He's got two, you know, Jedi there, but he's also got Sabine and Ezra running around. He's like, ah, there's too much going on here. I don't mm-hmm. like this. So he, instead of just doing the normal, you know, Imperial thing of like, ah, just destroy the space whale when it gets here. No, he's like. Uh, first of all, I need to know everything about her, this and this and this and this. I want to know all the information. And then it's like, and if a whale shows up, destroy it. However, I'm not counting on that being that them just showing up and going, mm-hmm. ta-da! Yeah. Probably yeah. not going to happen. But in case they're that dumb, go ahead and shoot it. Yep. Just <laughs> don't even bother me. I'll be eating lunch. Mm-hmm. Let me know when we can have the space calamari from the from the whale afterwards. Yep. But you know, then I'll be studying all this. It's again so good. It is just it is. how they've how they're portraying this. Well, and and in that scene too, where he you know he goes through, I want to know everything about her. And and I and I love you know prior to that when he says, well, I thought. I thought your mercenary dispatched with her and, and Morgan Elizabeth was like, well, he, yeah, he said he would. And he, and he goes back to the fact, well, he was once a Jedi. So we now must regard him as flawed. So like the way they played that whole sequence out again, beautifully and perfectly frames how this character thinks he has now taken Balin as a chess piece on the board and designated him as something. All right. Mm-hmm. This is someone I cannot trust or I cannot put full faith in. Mm-hmm. Second of all, She's coming here. We're going to assume that Ahsoka is coming here until the until information tells us otherwise. So now you're already seeing how he doesn't possess the ego and the arrogance that yeah. you know you saw from Espos- I, I can't think of Esposito's character from Mando, but his character or other Imperials like him, where they just want to assume that the problem has been dealt with and they're going to move forward according to plan. Well, instead I mean- he 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 again acknowledges the situation on the chessboard until he gets information that changes the way the board is currently structured. And that is how Thrawn works. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about it. They perfectly captured him. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, uh, so gosh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to speed look up because I should know it's Moff Gideon. I Thank don't, you. Thank you. I don't think, I think Moff Gideon is somewhere between mo- like 90% well like 95 98% of the imperial officers we've seen thus far in Star Wars and Thrawn mm-hmm. he's definitely not as dumb and emotional and impulsive as most of the imperials we've seen season 1 like- gideon yes season 1 gideon yes even season even head- 3 gideon i disagree 
even heading into season three, he's still he's letting the arrogance get. You you can see the arrogance starting to take over, and I think that that I felt like that played out through through that that he let mm. the the idea that well I've had I have dark troopers and I can do this and that so therefore ah he let his ego take over and it's an example of that. Mm-hmm. I, but I feel like he's somewhere in between. He's not okay. nearly as incompetent as most of the chuckleheads we've seen who make like Schultz from Hogan's Heroes look like <laughs> a tactical genius. You know, make him look like Rommel on the plains of Africa. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, no, he, he's not that dumb. Um, but no, I mean, so far, the, again, Thrawn is in a class by himself. And yeah. I find it interesting also that he's like, I need to know, you know, her history and this and that, her master. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and the second time I watched it, I'm like, aha, we do have book number two of the Thrawn trilogy. Bingo. Of, you know, the buddy cop uh, story, mm-hmm. which ain't that old. And I believe that, like, I believe that was being written at the time when, you know, kind of Rebels is happening. So I'm wondering if we're going to get do we get a little background there? Like, is mm-hmm. are we going to get another Hayden Christensen appearance? And do we get a Thrawn throwback? Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. do we get a Thrawn back? I don't know. Yeah. Um, very interesting stuff, for it sure. Is. It is. But yeah, uh, Thrawn lived up to it. It was like <laughs> 12 out of 10. Holy moly. I mean, if if we're talking about, and, and, and I hate to make it about appearances, and, and I will admit, it did stand out to me too. You know, I know I said the joke about what, what my son sent me, but it did stand out to me at times when they did the side profile of him that... I expected Thrawn to be a bit more slender based on how I had, you know, kind of my head canon having read the books. Hmm. Um, you know, even well, seeing him in, even well seeing as, him in Rebels, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, as, as well as the slick back hair. You know, what I mean, like there, there's just a picture of him you're just used to, you know, from 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 the books and like you said from Rebels. And so, True, visually, that, sometimes it kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah, but that's also, but that's just detail. Well, but that's also all before this. Yeah, so you're you're dealing with an older Thrawn yes and I yes. think that's it's acceptable to me absolutely I mean, and yeah like it's, and it's it, a great touch that even though his white uniform looked still white and and I mean he looked like the cleanest of all of them yeah it still had some wear and tear on it oh yeah which was which I thought was a great you know ni- again nice little detail 10 years in exile with no you know no ability to reproduce any of the materials it's like yeah that would happen yeah yep no totally so, uh, the other thing we've kind of glossed over here, uh, anything else on Thrawn? Cause we, we have kind of glossed over the other return, which was oh, yeah. Ezra Bridger. But honestly, I think that kind of paled in comparison to, oh, to the totally character took a back been, seat. Totally took a back seat. Up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, w- without getting into a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll say this, the Sabine's journey to find him. I really appreciated how between the howler, uh, mm. dog that she had, <laughs> And the Nodi, um, you know, those little turtle snail characters, how they got back to one of the things that Star Wars used to do really well, which is how they brought in the introduction to these different alien characters and making them feel like through through just an organic progression of interactions, making them feel like kind of real beings as, as you're watching the show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah to just jump headfirst into these snail creatures and then jump right into Ezra, you know, being found would, would be very, you know, it, it, it just would like, you wouldn't buy into it. You know what I mean? But yeah. the fact they took the time with 
the way she kind of interacted with that dog and, and, and it became kind of like her buddy in a way to, you know, the, the, the interaction with, with the Nodi was just like, like that's the fantasy storytelling I remember as a kid from Star Wars and from, you know, from, from some of the, you know, you know subsequent like, you know, shows and, and, you know, like Willow and stuff like that, where those interactions are what made the magic of those shows. And I just thought it was a really interesting, you know, it was a very small part of this episode, but they did it. So they used that time so well, you yeah. know, and it, it was very efficient that mm-hmm. they, I, at least for me, I, I really enjoyed that, but I, I don't know. What was your kind of take on that interaction? Well, it's good because it, it, they, they managed to add a little bit of humor, but also I think the light it. went off behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uncle Todd doesn't have to go home, but he can't stay here. <laughs> happens every it happens every couple episodes. That's why I'm glad I got this one light here. Ladies and gentlemen, Uncle Todd is in his basement. He much like I am, although I am now in more civilized uh, quarters. And Uncle Todd is, uh, yeah, he's basically got his flashlight on. Um, yep, he's. Uh, I've got like the, the light over my workbench. Yep. Um, Sorry, but I, I like how they introduced. There's some humor there, yeah. but it's also yeah. humor not just for the sake of yucks, which unfortunately, mm-hmm. it, it feels like MCU has kind of ventured into that a little bit too. They've leaned into the humor a little bit too hard without utilizing it for narrative purposes mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, because you, you see this howler at first and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is like a wolf you know, times yeah. 10. Yeah. And then like... At the first sign of trouble, it just pimps off onto the horizon. <laughs> and then it keeps trying to come back like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we've all had like, if, if, you, if you've if you never been around animals, like mm. there there is a personality. Mm-hmm. Like each animal, if you spend enough time with them, you start, you start understanding that even though there is a breed, mm. like for instance, uh, you know, my wife has had several boxers, you know, dogs as mm-hmm. the breed. And we had a boxer, you know, earlier in our marriage. And you understand that there are similarities across breeds. But within that, each animal individual has its own personality. Like for us, I like to say, like, for the boxers are a quirky breed of dog. Mm -hmm. And for a quirky breed of dog, we had a quirky dog. Like it was like double the quirkiness. Like mm-hmm. this dog was just almost borderline neurotic mm-hmm. in some ways, mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of what you get with this howler that you see. Like oh my gosh, there's a personality, yeah. And it gives you a moment, and it also shows you a little bit about Sabine because she's like, no, screw, like just her thing of like, I, I'm so angry, I will I will damn myself, yeah, in, in order to just prove a point, and and it kind of gives you an insight into her. Plus, it also gives you a little bit of a break. Yeah. You know, it gives you a moment to chuckle a little bit. Well, and, and, and yeah, I thought that I, was great. I love the way, yeah, like, like she, she browbeats him. You know, she's like, yeah. no, you ran off. I don't want to talk to you. Get out of here. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> like but, but it's so great. But it's, 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 it's furthering the narrative arc. And you know that there is some sort of, re- there's a bit of redemption when mm-hmm. the Howler does get her to where, you know, kind of she's going. Yeah. But you also know that there, it's setting up something down the road. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it, it, it furthers, a little character development all the way around. Plus it gives you, it's a little pressure relief, you know, and that's a nice moment. And again, it's, Mm -hmm. it's something that is right there. Mm. It doesn't take a genius to do it. Yeah. 
it is yeah. not like oh my gosh only the 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 most enlightened screenwriters no it's just something that a lot of people ignore mm-hmm. just because they're so concerned about all right get to the next thing and this thing and this thing and this thing so like with bsg going back to that mm-hmm. ron moore talking about how sometimes they would actually cut action they would cut lines they would cut mm-hmm. things in order to have those quiet moments like extending a quiet moment just sitting with a character and building that character just a little bit in that quietness or just in a look or whatever. He's like, we would fight for those moments. It's not something everybody does. Yeah. And when it, when you do it, oh my gosh, the texture, it starts adding and it, it does. I think it registers with viewers. Like you start to understand, like I'm in good hands here. Yeah. Like this person, whoever, the people who are guiding this show really care, mm-hmm. you know, it's not mm-hmm. just slapped together. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I guess the best way to frame it is I, I really felt like there was an Ewok-like feel to those interactions to being had both with, with the Howler and, and with the Nodi. You know, like it, it just, it felt very Princess Leia. Oh, the Nodi especially, and, of and Ewok, going yeah. around the village and all that. Absolutely. Like, yeah, almost a little too much, but no, it, it, it I, I, I don't feel like it was, it was excruciatingly derivative i i felt like it, it, it had its own feel to it but i just liked yeah. the way you know the texture and the tone of it just felt very much in that vein which made it like comfort viewing in a way because it's like as much as return of the jedi gets maligned because of elements of the ewoks taking down the empire the way they introduced them mm. was was really well done and and i and and mm-hmm. i thought this episode kind of exemplified that even like I said, though, it was a very small part of the episode. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole exchange between Sabine and Ezra, you know, Ezra's revelation. I, I think they handled Ezra's comeback the right way. I mean, like, let's be honest, right. Even though there's been four seasons of rebels and I'm sure there's fans of the show rebels, who are people most looking forward to seeing in live action, Ezra or Thrawn? Well, I'd argue yeah. it was Thrawn, and and they put the emphasis in the right spot. Yeah, well, it's one of those deals where even though those are the, even though they're one A and one B, mm-hmm. one's still got to be A, one's still got to be B. Mm-hmm. You got and you got to figure like who you're going to give the time to, right? And I think it's totally the right call to introduce the villain to to like really give him all that moment because it, it introduces menace. Mm-hmm. You got to have the menace first. Okay, now, you know, what What comes next? You know, sort of like, I mean, hell, in uh, A New Hope, we see Vader. You know, you, yep. you, you see the Empire go- gunning for Princess Leia's ship before you ever get a, a hint of, of Luke. Yep. I mean, how long does it take Luke to show up in the story? You well, know, we get more time. We get more time yeah. with with 3PO and and R2D2 with yep. robots than we until you know we finally get to the the hero. Yep. So it totally makes sense and it totally makes sense that you know because that you know Ezra always you know there was a bit of Ezra in Rebels that was trying to be too cool for school. Mm-hmm. You know, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I and I like the I like the reunion. I di- I did like how it wasn't like there was relief there was genuine like you know it was genuine friendship like it didn't feel like mm. there was this huge romantic tension that they're trying to build there like maybe that comes down later or something I, it didn't it didn't go to that it was just two people who had been through a lot of crap together yeah genuinely happy to be able to see each other again yeah and it was a yeah. nice moment and i think they did it in a great way 
they gave it a moment to breathe and then they start introducing some <laughs> some some extra menace like hey you know i can't wait to get home yeah or how'd you get here right you know and right. like ah uh, some like, questions just, just let me have this moment <laughs> yeah and it's like <laughs> let's, oh let's not boy. go there <laughs> this is not gonna this is gonna pop up but in this is uh, where i feel like she's starting to understand the weight of the decision she made now yeah. because it's like yeah how am i getting us out of here and yeah thron's not just gonna let us on a ship you know no. so um and we got to watch out for the little you know the little turtle trailer park that, right. we're, that we're helping right. out with here yep so uh, yeah I, I i think it was a nice way to kind of bring him in you know again subtly and with you know the the right amount of you know him being very optimistic but not understanding really what the situation looks like and and what it's going to become and sabine having that look of dread on her face of what is to come now because mm-hmm. she knows how you know she she knows she has to figure out a way now for them to get back and yeah you know she she's not sure how that's going to happen so see this is why i think that i don't i think that we're not going to get a lot of ezra yeah I, I don't think we're going to get a lot of development for Ezra because I, the way that I look at this is like the way that this is lined up, I'm not trying to fantasy book seven and eight. I'm just trying to kind of look at like, okay, what do you got on the table here? And how do you bring this to a close? Of course, with a cliffhanger, I'm guessing, because you're not wrapping this whole thing up in two episodes, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to continue the story. Well, you got to have as Ahsoka getting to this planet. You've got to have Thrawn kind of learning a little bit more. And then you're going to have to have some sort of confrontation with Balin and and Ezra and Sabine and Shin and all that. I don't think it I don't think you get a ton of character development from Ezra. I think it's going to be very much like a he's he's going to be all of a sudden going from like, hey, yeah, I'm just hanging out here in my little caravan park with all my little alien friends to what the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and almost like trying to catch up sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and I think that could be a very interesting story of, of like the race to the end of episode eight and that moment of like, oh, boy, we are screwed. Yeah. Like and that's kind of your that's your end of empire moment. I feel like eight's got to end with Thrawn getting back to the, you know, the the OG galaxy. Oh, like, totally. Totally. It's and I think that now in the interest of I think of he our, meets up with those in the I think he meets up with those other the admirals and captains who are in that little hollow conference with Moff Gideon. I think that might be the thing of like In the interest of the real and Jabroni. I agree yeah. with you. But <laughs> it's going to be at Mount Tantus. I got a lot riding on Mount Tantus. I don't think it's going to be. I don't it's think that be shows Mount up. Mark my words. Okay. Mark maybe. my words. Um, and, and you know, the other part of it, too, is it feels like inevitably it's got to go to some kind of face-off between Balin, you know, Balin and, and, and Shin Hati against some combination of either Ezra and Ahsoka or, or Ezra and Sabine, or maybe all three of them, Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka, you know, mm-hmm. that, that there's going to be some some face off between them, but ultimately, yes, that they're coming back again for real in jabroni. I really want to see uh Thrawn uh, reach out to Mon Mothma as if to say, na 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 na, I'm back, baby. Um, <laughs> you know, that'll just guarantee me the bourbon. So, um, I got some things riding on this and, and I just want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that they, uh, really hoping they pan out. Mon Mothma, um, what do you plan on doing about my return to the galaxy? Indeed. Well, Thrawn, it doesn't matter what you plan to do. <laughs> my Enoch will take care of you. Um, 
Hear me not. Yes. Yeah. Stop like, playing with a howler. Can't can't do a digital voice, but you don't know um, where he's been. One last question uh, before we kind of wrap this up, because I think I think we've adjudicated this episode uh, to the nth degree. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about uh, what do you think is the cargo being loaded into the Chimera? Ah, you know, so here's an interesting thing because mm-hmm. going back to the original Heir to the Empire um, series, the books by uh, by uh, by Timmy's on there. Um, it talked about what what was it the outward bound or outer whatever the mm-hmm. mission with the Jedi's going out into the void and that was where you know Jorus Jorus Saboth yeah who then became Jorus because we have to just double up the vowel. Um, I wonder if we're not dealing with something that ties into that that is going to head into the cloning aspect of that i wonder if that's not what we're dealing with that that's where the the whatever that mission was mm-hmm. landed in dathomir you know territory or whatever cuz i don't know what else i mean what is it a bunch of like night sister like a so, bunch of witch corpses i mean i maybe so morgan elsbeth kind of gives a little bit of hint because she first she identifies that everything's coming out of catacombs yes and she says it's going to take three rotations, which is their parlance for three days. That's a long ass time. Which means that there's a lot of stuff coming up. So at first, again, selfishly, re- got to do my stone cold hands here. <laughs> selfishly, real and jabroni. Um, I was hoping it would be, you know, uh, and still hope that it is uh, some part Solomiri that he has found these force negating creatures. And uh, will will leverage them in some way, shape, or form when he returns to the galaxy. Mm. However, what what kind of shoots a hole in that a little bit is again three days worth of Salamiri seems a bit too much. And coming out of catacombs where you normally have bodies. Fair enough. Corpses, now, if you will. The other way to look at this is if we view the night troopers as truly being an army of the undead. That that Thrawn is basically whatever compliment came with his ship to Peridia when the Purgle took him is mm. basically no more. He is really the only survivor that is left. And it is really the dark magic of the great mothers who have given him an army. That's a big old army. If you're doing three days worth of catacombs of bodies. So true kind of a different flavor of what you're saying where it could be a cloning thing. But if he, because one of the things that uh, an article I read pointed this out in season three of Mando, when they had the Shadow Council talking, one of the things they mentioned when Pelion brings up Thrawn is what kind of army is he going to have? Well, he's going to show up with a massive army of essentially undead stormtroopers who can then fight on his behalf to help him basically take back rule of, of the galaxy from the Republic. So we're we dealing um, with zombie. I mean, are we are we it's heading straight to zombies? I, I I say it as a potential. I don't claim to really enjoy that idea because I've seen this play out in Game of Thrones. Like this was essentially the last season of Game of Thrones, the night of. Oh, the, the, we we know how that all went. The, the army of the dead coming and invading the the mainland, um, and and it all being driven by magic that once that soul magic source is destroyed destroys the entire army mm. i you know they haven't revealed anything so I, I i can't sit here and say i'm disappointed if that's where they go but i i i don't know how 
excited I'm going to be about that. I, I really was kind of hoping that, um, you know, maybe it's used to seed the army and he's, you know, like I said, if he goes to Tantus and starts cloning, kind of takes a little bit of what you're talking about, starts cloning some of these people. Maybe we end up with not just an army of zombies, but, you know, we have some undead and some, you know, um, you know, uh, individuals from, from this planet that he ends up cloning up and, and accelerating into, you know, active members of, of his force. I, I don't know, but it, it just, it, it, I, I want it to be the Solomiri, but unfortunately I think there's just way too much for it to be that. I would agree. What do you think it is as he's looking around at the spider who I think is now doing an well, aerial assault upon him? I, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye and with a, Oh no, it's a, Okay, it's a little little gnat sort of bug thing. Um, let me just check. Do at a, one point, let me just do a perimeter check. As as, as we're recording, I am waiting for the time when there's going to be, as Uncle Todd is pontificating about something, a a spider will drop right in front of his his his, his camera, and and I'll see the little legs and stuff. Oh yeah, and he'll be so into what he's saying that he won't That's notice I got this. It. And he, oh, he's got the toilet tube from last episode. Good God. <laughs> Swing that, swing oh that sucker gosh. around. Good lord! Um, Good I lord. don't know. Like I, I, like I said, I maybe it said outer bound or whatever, whatever the mission is. I, but I, but I like that's your a, ideas better. That's a lot of it's. That's a, a lot of corpses, dude. It's the volume. That, yeah, that, that, that's the thing that's that's kind of throwing a wrench in some of these theories is the the numbers. The numbers don't and add up unless. I mean, unless we look at this, maybe it's a little out of the box. Maybe Mount Tantus has already been visited by Thrawn during, mm. you know, an, some other part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he already had cloning equipment on the ship and has been, you know, has oh, been basically cloning an army while he's been there. Interesting. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, I kind of like the idea of of making some assumptions of like, oh yeah, and and he the stuff was he wasn't just doing all the events in Rebels. Like he was doing other stuff too. Like and incorporating that in. I think there's that could be cool. I really don't know though. Like I and then they the, jump back again. to Cetos and and sitting right on like 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 basically orbiting the planet of Cetos is going to be the Katana fleet and he's going to take all of his masses and he's going to throw them into the Katana fleet and then there goes the invasion. We're off to the races in the episode 8. Maybe, but I mean I don't know, man. Like that like that three rotations thing does throw me. Like I'm yeah. not sure how you it's a lot of corpses to be moving. That is. I don't know. That is. We'll see. I mean, I don't have any better ideas than that. <sighs> well, I I would say, uh, as we've adjudicated this episode, the, the debut of Thrawn has certainly lived up to the hype. Uh, I think it's safe to say we're excited to see where 7 and 8 take us. Um, are, are we excited to see Ezra in live action? Eh, kind of. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm more interested in Thrawn. I mean, uh, I'm anxious to see any... any other Jedi besides like, Oh, Hey, let's get de-aged Luke again. Like, no, yeah. let's see some other folks, you know, let's see how, let's see how these, you know, these Boken, you know, the, 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 Jedi. the, the Jedi out in the wild. Mm-hmm. Let's see what that, that means. Like, 
that's kind of a cool concept to me. I mean, I granted, like that's, what, that's what, what we've been seeing up until now, anyways. I would like to know what Balin meant when he when Shin, you know, says that she's a Bakken Jedi, and and he stops her, and he's like, "No, I trained you to be more." Yes. Like, what does yeah. he mean by that? I, I'd, I'd like to get get more of a definitive answer. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be an, uh, that's an, another interesting point to explore. They've got a lot of stuff uh, you know, set up on the table here. It'll be interesting to see what they, you know, what they tie up in the next couple of episodes. Chef's kiss, as you said at the beginning of this, oh, yeah. this episode, what lived up to all that it was meant to be, and even more. And and I am very excited to see where seven and eight go. So, yeah. and I love in the fact that in in approximately just under twenty four hours, like. Because we we're we're now recording on Mondays and you know finally posting around like Friday just the, because the ever shifting recording schedule for free range ADC and and these episodes now come out Tuesday. Of course, by the it's not like I could say, oh yeah, we'll record Tuesday night and you know follow up on that. Yeah, uh, it, it's just impossible. But it's, we're Bakken it, podcasters. Uh, yeah, some of people use a different word. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's very interesting how all this is going, and and it's totally within grasp. But some of the stuff that we're talking about tonight, mm-hmm. totally blown out of the water in twenty three hours. Oh yeah, yep. And 100%. and I kind of like that. I like I like how it's unexpected. And, exactly. Uh, man, Filoni doing a hell of a job. Chef's hell of kiss. a job. Chef's kiss. And another thing. All right, sir. What do you have for and another thing this week? Uh, this was actually something I, I purchased over the weekend. I, I have just started diving in and reading, but have not gotten very far. Um, but it is uh, the final trilogy uh, that Timothy Zahn has written around the character of Grand Admiral Thrawn that I have yet to read. And it is called Thrawn, the Ascendancy Trilogy. And uh-huh. if, if the if the uh, last set of books that we read was a prequel uh, to Heir to the Empire, this is the prequel to the prequel. Um, <laughs> this is basically long before I believe Thrawn uh, moves on to the Empire. Um, it gives more of kind of I think an inner workings of of the Chiss uh, a, as a race and as a society and and the things that that Thrawn is kind of contending with. So uh, I'm just excited to kind of dive into this. It's it's another you know kind of angle to Thrawn that. Um, maybe has not been explored uh, in great depth and, and kind of pulls it away, I think a little bit from strictly an Imperial sort of situation. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to reading that. Um, but yeah, Thrawn, the ascendancy trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Um, I can in just a moment here uh, read off the books of it. If I can just, uh, I didn't have it pulled up, unfortunately. By the way, it was outbound flight. Ah, yes. Uh, very imaginatively named. Yeah, I think that came after Heir to the Empire. Um, but let's see, the three books are Chaos Rising, uh, The Greater Good, and Lesser Evil are, are the three. So, um, so yeah, so this was, uh, let's see, centered around the, the origins of Thrawn and the Chiss Ascendancy and the Unknown Regions. So it, it is definitely, uh, and that is not to be confused with the Nether Regions. So um, well, just, just wanted to call that out. That's where, um, that's where Tim's healing up right now. Uh, <laughs> You stop. Well, Good the Lord, it's not a it's not a little thing to have, you know, oh, your granular region All you know, right. poked All and probed right. and, and used as an entryway. Just stop it for electrodes. Just <laughs> stop it. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, I so, didn't even get into that orderly like snuggling with you after as you were coming out of. What you is know. your and another thing, sir? Good <laughs> God Almighty. Uh, well, my and another thing. Um, I'm a very much a uh, in the bag, uh, as I've said before, for uh, Katie Sackoff as an as an actor, and uh, of course for BSG, but also for the show Longmire, which uh, great. Uh, I forget where it started out. I think it was on bravo or one of those networks and oddly got canceled or dropped when it was one of their highest rated shows uh which was odd and then netflix picked it up for the last few seasons and brought it to a close and then there was a lot of rumors that that netflix was bringing the series to a close so that they could do a series of movies rather than uh just you know a series of episodes which probably is like a money saving scheme or something Mm. um However, the the series I thought was was fantastic. I'm in the middle of another rewatch of it right now. And um, I realized, hey, you know, I probably ought to read the book series that this show is based off of just for something else to read. Because uh, the last couple of books I've decided to pick up kind of have bombed uh, and, and stopped me in my tracks. So I'm like, eh, maybe a, a good, you know, a couple mysteries will, will kind of jolt me into more reading so i started reading uh the first book in the longmire series the cold dish uh which uh the longmire books are written by craig johnson and really good like it's very interesting coming to the book after the series because there's there's a lot of similarities but there there's also a lot of differences um, so I'm finding it interesting that I, there's some things I'm like, ah, I kind of like the series better mm-hmm. or, well, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, oh, that I can, I can kind of meld this into my own head cannon, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, but it is very interesting because I, I tend to reading books. I tend to, uh, especially like biographies and things like that. If I know the, the person pretty well, mm-hmm. I tend to hear their voice as yeah. I'm reading the book. So like mm-hmm. when I was reading Keith Richards biography, I was hearing it like Keith Richards sitting there talking to me, which mm. is really kind of funny. Same with like Bruce Springsteen's uh, autobiography was basically the boss just talking to me uh, over the course of several hundred pages. Um, and so as I'm reading this book, I'm hearing the characters from the TV show, even though they might be described differently or whatever. That's kind of just how I'm picturing it in my head. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a good fun, you know, kind of quick read. And, um, I'm enjoying it. So, I mean, if you if you have access to these books, uh, I'll put a link for for buying it. But also, if you find it in your uh, in your local public library, it's well worth it. It's a it's a good light read. Um, and I don't mean light as in like there's no substance, but it it it's not something that bogs down. It mm. moves along, which is exactly what I needed from a book right now. I did not need something that's going to stop me in my tracks and make me go, oh dear God, I just I can't get that yeah. deep right now i don't need the brothers karamazov i just need i need something that i can just kind of page through um i highly recommend it question for you if it's called the yes. cold dish can yes. i surmise that it's about revenge oh it is ah, ah, because the old what, klingon proverb what do they say about revenge it's a dish best served, best served cold. cold yes <laughs> uh-huh very nice very nice yes definitely check it out well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you to all the members of the Free Range ADC congregation who have uh, been listening and, and made it through this far. You know what? After two hours and change, if you've made it this far, damn it, have a drink on us because you deserve one. Um, thank you for listening, though. If you're wondering what in the hell the Free Range ADC congregation is, well, welcome. Uh, we're the nicer cult. 
Uh, there's no matching uniforms or anything like that. All you have to do is subscribe, and uh, then you're you're part of the congregation. So, uh, welcome. Uh, you can find us at freerangeidc.com. You can subscribe and find all of our episodes there. You can subscribe right through the Podbean app. Um, if you decide, like, hey, I've got way too many apps in my life as it is, then go find us on one of the other many, 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 many podcast streaming websites or, or apps. Uh, we're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, Pandora, Alexa, fracking Google Podcasts, all of those you can find us and go ahead and search for us. And like I said, if you get stumped there, just go to freerangeagency.com. You can grab the episodes one at a time. You can also find all of our episodes on the YouTubes. If you go to youtube.com slash at freerangeagency, you'll find all of our episodes there. Um, sometimes a little bit later because, uh, yeah, uh, YouTube uh, doesn't accept these episodes coming from Podbean when they're over three hours, and that happens sometimes. Uh, we're sorry. Um, and uh, if you uh, also want to follow us on the social medias, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are at Free Range EDC as well. If you have thoughts, concerns, you have ideas for shows, you just, uh, you know, some sort of inanity that you just want to scream at us, uh, send all of those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com and he'll get back to you forthwith. And we might even read it on the air, uh, you know. Or if you just want to offer us a whole lot of money for something, that's never frowned upon here. Uh, in fact, apparently I need to have it to have my light bill turned back on <laughs> so that I'm not recording in the dark. Uh, now I'm going to hand over the show to the uh, the lesser of the two idiots, the less idiotic of the two idiots uh, in this show. Because actually for going lesser, uh, me being the younger, I would be the lesser, but I'm definitely not the lesser idiot of the two uh, the more idiotic of the two who's by on a long first shot. yeah as as witnessed by the fact i just talked myself right into a fracking corner on that one Good uh, Lord. but i'm not going to hand it over before i ask the second most important question in all of human history the first of course being what is hip the second being what in the ever loving hell did we learn this episode uh, we've learned the following. Uh, oh, then. We have learned uh, the man they call Tim uh, just has a fine-tuning week in fantasy football that will lead him to a full run of the rest of the table for the remainder of the season. There will be no 500 record. It will be an exemplary, exemplary season for him and another championship under his belt. Uh, we've also learned uh, that uh, Westworld, uh, we're a bit bearish on, on that coming back as, as a movie. I think we need to give it some more space, some more time, a little more creativity around maybe a different sort of angle on that one. So uh, uh, please hold off on that, whoever no, is trying no, to drive please, that. Please, no, no, Absolutely. No. Uh, we have also learned that, uh, you know, Dr. Doom, uh, looks like uh, Marvel has a backup plan in case this whole Jonathan Majors thing goes even further off the rails than it already has. So we will see if Dr. Doom makes his debut in the MCU and supplants Kang the Conqueror. We shall see. Indeed, he needs that. Uh, and then, as we've discussed over the course of this episode, uh, Chef's Kiss to Episode 6 of Ahsoka could not have led to a better and and more appropriate debut for the Grand Admiral than what we got. And yeah. uh, Free Range EDC is 100% bullish on uh, the next two episodes and the way they will set things up and in motion for 
uh, either a future series from Star Wars or uh, the much bandied about Dave Filoni heir to the Empire movie or movie series that we may get. Uh, With all that uh, being said, we again, I I echo my compatriots' thanks and appreciation for the listenership. Um, And as we like to close things out here on the range, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And well, as we like to, you know, kind of end things, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, we did adieu until the next bandying about of idiocy and craziness on this range. And Uncle Todd is is doing the kneading of, of pizza dough, sort of. Uh... No, this is a stretch. You're like stretching this out yet again. Just say goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I think you've had about enough. Well, I th- I think you're wrong, you increasingly attractive-looking woman. You know, you're you're really pretty. Oh, stop. No, I'm I'm serious. You could you could be in magazines. You you could. You can, and not just like jugs or or creamsicle. Call me. She won't call. Oh, here's a pleasant sight. Cirrhosis the Wonder Dog. I'm, I'm not drunk, all right? I just have a speech impediment. <laughs> and a stomach virus. And an inner ear infection. Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> Get out. And don't come back until you reach yourselves. Dear sweet or, God. Or should I go back to my other gimmick of, you know, turning the lights out because and you, is my you uncle, literally uh, have the lights turned out where you are? As my Uncle Elmore used to say, you can't fiddle a stick, but you can stick a fiddle. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. He was in the home at the time. So, you know, he mostly just kind of oh, showed us his belly button lint and played with his Lord. earwax. But good hey, Lord. he was a nice man. Up until that time, he took a stick of dynamite, and, well, the lunch cart never was the same after that. (laughs) What was I talking about again? Oh, yeah, we're doing a podcast. And uh, did I ever tell you about this time that I was in sixth grade? I forgot about one other thing we've learned. uh, No, you haven't. No, we're done. The man they call Tim loves the steaks. Uncle Todd loves the chili tots. I'm just saying. Every, that's nothing new. Everybody on this planet knows that you love steaks. No, I don't know that everybody does. I think there's still a part of the population. That's oh, I'm sorry. There's someone in like Zaire who hasn't heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and can we get one so, more uh, glorious? One more glorious. It, oh it, was, it was wonderful taking, to have that brought back into the rotation. Last time we were do, we were giving shout outs, and now I'm taking requests. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> First I was afraid I was petrified It's the same chord It is There it is Glorious return to the grain out There it is Fantastic. Fantastic. Now get the hell out of here!